From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm Surrey and this is Mark. Hiya, tonight we're talking about Occupation. It was a 2018 science fiction film basically about a small group of Australian survivors in a little country town after a massive alien invasion and they decide to form together to be like a guerrilla army against those damn aliens. Sorry. They want to save the world. And so this is your spoiler warning. Spoiler warning, warning. Before you go on, go back and make sure you've watched this film or just accept that you're going to learn everything about the film tonight. <laughs> Which is what we do. But By yeah, way. So take, take heed. Then come back, tune back in and have a listen to us. Just ignore the alien invasion. Okay, go back. No, it happens very really quickly. So, what was your number one takeaway from Occupation, sorry? Number one takeaway is it's good to know football. Football? Because if, we like if you weren't involved in a football match, you're in trouble. It's a well-known <laughs> fact. Here in WA, I, and I suspect that was northern New South Wales, AFL is very important. And if you're not playing it, well, yeah, I, I guess you're farming Buddha's hand, <laughs> not alien fruit. Yeah, that was a nice little touch, the Buddha's hand, I thought. like I was like, hey, people eat that. Yeah. I can buy that at my local Gilbert's. I mean, Jesus, That's is a, it such a bad thing? That the aliens, they've got good taste, hasn't it? Yeah. I've never actually had one, but have you ever had a Buddha's hand? No, some sort of citrus fruit, as I understand it. Yeah, I think so. They so. do kind of look alien. So the aliens need to learn how to play Aussie rules football, according to this, according to your premise? Hey? Well, no, no. I need to. You because, need to. <laughs> uh, I I do not play sport and I don't know much in the way of the rules of Aussie rules. So I would be, I'd be one of those people sort of left in the town getting <laughs> colonised and occupied. Yeah, that's true. Cool. So good to know your sports. Okay, fair enough. Just know that the captain, follow the captain, thy captain, thy captain. Captain. The new and the old captain. Yeah, the new and the old. Yes. Yes, and so Mark, though, is this a hope, warning, or experiment? I'm going to put it under the hope, and uh, hopefully because humans, they need to come together, work as a team to overcome a common enemy, right? Uh, And then even this movie pushes it to another level, which is that the enemy can then become thy friend if you work together. Yeah, that was a, a good bit of the hope, I think, of this yeah. movie, is that they they don't just try to destroy the enemy. These mm. aren't space Nazis. No. Which we all, <laughs> we all know Nazis are. Or just big the, creatures like Independence Day, you know, the, the big, whatever you call oh, those, no, big head. Huge things. Anyway, huge things. No, they're, um, yeah, I do like the fact that the humans not only come together to, defeat this plan 
of the aliens, but also then recognize that just murdering, like genocide, is, is not that cool, regardless no. of whether it's them doing it to you or you doing it to them. Yeah. It's not a cool thing. And it's whether that, I mean, the humans in the story, basically all of them have to learn how to come together as a team and to unite and get over their differences to work together to defeat the alien force or, you know, succeed in their plan. But then, yeah, unlike maybe other big alien invasion films where it's like, let's just annihilate them, nuke them, you know, destroy the whole thing and then, yeah, humans live. The idea here is, no, at the end you're going to have some aliens probably still living and do they want to be part of our society and part of our world? So um, I think it is hopeful because human they humans do succeed they do overcome their uh differences and they do succeed at the end and then they even invite the aliens to kind of go forth from to, here. to build a new world together a new world yeah which is, that's very nice but look hey am i right or am i wrong hit us up on social media let us know what you think uh about hope warning and experiment of occupation so what have you been up to lately in the science fiction world are you uh running the world yet sorry uh no i'm not running with the world your yet. science fiction very soon to books, be running the world podcasts uh, all that sort of stuff no i've been bit well you know what i've done been doing don't so talk about photo, your own renos again <laughs> photo shoots we did those lovely photo shoots we so did I put up some new photo. photos and uh, i even you know um Made my eyes a bit brighter, my teeth a bit whiter. That was a helpful thing for me to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's always important to look your best. Hey, I don't go on screen unless I've been in makeup for about six hours. You know, six you know me. I need to be. I need yeah. my face tucked back. I need the little alien tucked away in my stomach, and I need it all tucked up. Well, I, I needed to do it all Tip. post post production. <laughs> That's the way it works. So we we did our photos, which is cool. There's some new photos up on the website, yep. gravityundone.net/slash/space-brains. Yep. You can check that out. And uh, I've updated the Facebook uh, page. Facebook page. Photo, and there'll be more to come. Spot. Yeah, there's there's a whole lot going on there, so that's really cool. Uh, I've also been trying to make sense of this German science fiction series called Dark, which is on Netflix. It's a three-season story arc, Yep. which is really good because so many shows just keep going. They never have yeah, a, they never an end. end. But this this story has three seasons it's a complete story yep and it's very complicated and exciting uh i do know that this is the the show that hamad al-saraf mentioned that he was he watching and, and it's a sort of story he would like to be able to do with his filmmaking in the future yeah and i have to agree it's, it's just it was such a, a well i i can only imagine that the writers if you haven't seen this show the it's it's one of these ones it's sort of got um it's a little bit strange i'm not going to give away any spoilers but it's a bit sort of uh david lynch sort of feel a bit of twin peaksy coming in there like it starts off with a child going missing and then like 33 years prior this this one of the characters brothers had gone missing and now it's his son has gone missing. And so it's like, oh, what's going on? And it's it's like, you know, one of these true mystery gone missing type of missing. And then there's um, like a whole bunch of events are kicked off into action through through that and through a couple other bits and pieces, which I won't go into. Sounds intricate. Yeah. And, it, and then it's, and then it's these, it's these stories across different um, 
generations. So like there's the the father whose son has gone missing. He's a police officer and it's he's doing his thing with the police officers and some other adults. But then there's like there's uh, other adults involved like the power plant and, and the power plant. They're doing something or other as well caused by this. And then there's the kids like uh, who are the older brother's sister and their friends of the missing kid, they're doing something. And so, and these three groups all interact across different ways where you see some someone doing one thing in one area and then later on you'll see the impact of that coming through somewhere else. Yeah. And you're just trying to keep all of these threads and these characters. There's, let's see, there's, there's probably about 10, 15 characters, you know, and they're all doing, and it's all very... Um, Subtle. There's not like a aliens have invaded. We're going to go and stop them. Plot, which is you can kind of go. They're the good guys. They're humans, and they're the aliens. They're the bad guys. Yeah, it's it's an amazing bit of science fiction because there is science fiction elements in there that you, you know, they talk about some science theory. And, uh, I'll let you watch it because yeah, yeah, sounds interesting. It is, it is just amazing. Sounds a bit like, and obviously a very different plot, but it's like, you know how Lost Lost had that kind of idea going on for a few seasons there. You know, they, they kind of took you down the rabbit hole of different time frames happening in different people's lives. And yeah. You kind of, and then, then when you got involved, and sorry if this is a spoiler, but like the others, and then the others kind of had their episodes where you started to learn about their side of the fence. And, it, you know what I mean? Like, And in your brain at the time, I really remember with Lost, and it's why I got a bit hooked on it, especially those first kind of two or three seasons, it was like, it was hard to under, it was hard to put it all together as a picture, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, like and, to really and see it. That's much like this. Is, it, is it, It's building, you can tell that there's this underlying plot of they're trying to uh, resolve this mystery of this missing child. Yeah. But that's kind of kicking off other... All this other stuff. Uh, you know, like the, the, the cops having an affair with someone or other. And then that other person there discovers something or other. And yeah. The... The, the person who's running the nuclear power plant has to inform everyone that has been closing down, but this is the primary industry of this town. Yep. So it's going to be basically the end of the town, really. And, yep. And there's, there's all this stuff going on, and you and you just know that you're only seeing little snippets of some bigger picture yep. that you can't understand. Yeah. And yeah. the good thing is, unlike Lost, this has a defined end and a story arc, and we were we were hooked all the way to the very last episode where it all started to everything started to click in a Clicks place and then they used some really nice little montages to sort of realign events and the significance so you could see this one couple went and did something or other and then which we'd seen them do like it wasn't a new bit of footage and then they showed them, you know another couple of people doing something else again and then and you suddenly realize oh that's why that happened of course because they did that that means that this happened Maybe all, we need to do an episode. Sorry, it all winds up. It all winds up at the end to this this amazing, and you sort of ah, oh, you just left going ah, oh, finally I got it, you know. So oh. very 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 worthwhile. More <laughs> shows like that, please. Yeah, yeah, sounds more, cool. More shows that have a defined start and end. More shows that have a conclusion that does actually, it doesn't fully destroy all mystery, but mm. it it gives you that, you know, that, that heartfelt sort of well, sense of completion. It's funny you say that because even at, like I mentioned Lost, I remember them saying Lost, they had the ending done, right, when they first started it. But then the other day I read an article popped up, you know, on the social media feeds 
saying that, in fact, they had it for a three-season show. Yeah. Right? And then in the midst of kind of going into the third season, they were told, uh-uh, you're not finishing now. Yeah. Like, that's what they were told. You know, the producers, the creators were told, you're going to make this go for longer. Like, yeah. we're not stopping this because it was a big hit. And uh, then they did. <laughs> so you do you do wonder because a lot of people go, oh, I got a bit crazy at the end there and didn't really quite understand what was going on yeah. and went off on tangents. And although I kind of enjoyed the ride along the way at the time, I know going back it can feel a bit funny, but um, reading that article was really interesting because, yeah, like I think J.J. Abrams and a couple of the other dudes, I don't know all their names off the top of my head, but, they, yeah, apparently they, they sort of pitched it as a couple-of-season show and it was all going to end up, and they were happy with that, but because it was a big rating success and it was like this juggernaut of a show in the US that they just, the producers and the network said, no, no, you're not stopping this. We're going yeah, to run it again and we're going to run it again. That's exactly how it felt. So, because the yeah, first, interesting, isn't it? As I said, the first two coming to the third season felt like, yeah, you got this uh, coherent mystery. And then I remember getting in towards the end of the third season, the fourth season was just kind of like, you guys don't know what you're doing. Yeah, you're are you just us, deliberately doing this? You're making stuff, <laughs> and then so I stopped watching until maybe the last half of the final season, seventh season, is it? Yeah, I think maybe. Yeah, and I, right. I just started watching from that point, and it it all made sense. It made sense. So yeah. I was like, oh, this yeah, yeah. is probably what should have happened at yeah. the end of like during season three. And then, unfortunately, I've heard there's a good I would class it as sci-fi fantasy. Um, the OC. And did you ever watch that? And no. there's. It's a really bizarre show. It's a very bizarre show about, you know, a woman that kind of come, suddenly comes back and then she's, you know, she talks about this sort of parallel universe and all this sort of stuff where she came from. She was a missing young woman. Um, that's kind of the setup. And it's a very odd show as well, like the way it's put together. It's a little bit Napoleon Dynamite and, you know, whatever. And anyway, the main woman who, 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 the actress, she also created the show with the director, so they did it together. And apparently they'd pitched it to Netflix. It's a Netflix original and as five seasons. And they were happy with that. So that's what they got funded. However, they've made the two seasons and then that's it's been axed. So Netflix have just cut it now. Yeah. Um, which I'm really, because I've watched both seasons and it's like, uh, I watched the second one thinking, oh, this goes for five seasons. There's no problem because there's a huge cliffhanger at the end of the second one. And then that's apparently that's just it, um, which is really then disappointing. But yeah, again, it feels like that. Like apparently I, I read this article during when the first season just came out that she was saying, yeah, it's a five season arc. It's yeah. all planned out, like how the characters go on this journey. You know, obviously, as you and I know, with a uh, character's journey. And um, you feel that. It's a really interesting arc, her story. Did you ever see that? So, yeah, it's a shame that that one ended. Did you ever see the show Babylon 5? No. Michael J. Straczynski, I no, think it was. I know, I know the one, yeah. So that was sort of the other way around where there was a five-season arc and it was like, it's so it starts off, it's kind of a bit Star Trek-y. In fact, I, I suspect that this was the first science fiction show or maybe even one of the one of the first shows that had a continuing story across seasons because yeah, yeah, you know yeah. back in the day even when you're talking to say x-files yeah one shot shows are like nypd or whatever you know like your ncis or whatever like that individual shows same characters well, x-files had a under story going but only the after a, the first season or yeah, second season yeah, or so yeah. the first season 
was pretty much just individual Oh, very individualised, yeah. It's formalised, And there was, there was yeah. no story there. No. The There's... second season had a couple of episodes that sort of had connections, well, and then by the third season, then they, they started retrofitting yeah. storyline. But the only thing but that was, that on, was... The, only, the, only, the only but to that story, I'm going to yep. bite you here, I'm going to fight you over this one, um, is Mulder's backstory of his sister and that. Yeah, but this Which happened was like after Babylon 5. Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this, is, what, this, this is what gets me. Is that, so Babylon 5 came in along with like Deep Space Nine. Yeah, and, yeah. Towards the end of Next Generation. So the last couple of seasons, Next Gen, first DS9, Babylon 5 came in and it starts out seemingly individual episodes and these two characters would, would usually have a bit of wine time at the end and a bit of a talk and their races were, were fighting each other or were in conflict, but these two ambassadors on the space station would kind of have their little moment to talk, and they'd sort of, you, you got the feeling that they, they kind of didn't want to be, or didn't think they should be fighting. There's something yeah. else going on. Okay. And as the show went on, yeah, it introduces these, I remember at the end of season one, you discovered there's some alien race called the Shadows that these two fighting people uh, knew about. The reason uh, Babylon 5 kind of, comes into this discussion though is because uh, the end of season three the showrunner was told you're not getting your five seasons you got fourth season that's the end of it so he went oh shit season four he quickly accelerated the plot like because he wanted to to get the finished story out but of course halfway through season four with the accelerated plot ratings picked up because like people was going, oh, this is this is getting really good. Like, yeah, and yeah. I remember it was like nothing I'd ever seen. I'd never seen a sci-fi show like this before. In fact, I don't think I've seen any show like this before this, where it had gone from being individual episodes with like a little bit at the end of each episode, yep, to being sort of individually episodes, but with a fairly strong continuing mm. building story, and you're yeah. always waiting for the next instalment of yes. it. Yeah. To season four, where it was just. Every episode was just a like as if it was a, a longer movie chopped into individual episodes. Right. And so you what you like more like Game of Thrones. Yeah. yeah. Where there's it's just yeah, you know, the episodes aren't an arc in themselves. They're kind of just part of a bigger story. And so yeah. it's really exciting. Of course, partway through season four, when he's like it's all coming to a head, Amen. big ratings that oh no, okay, you can have your season five. <laughs> and he's like, Are you are you kidding me? Uh, like we get and so the thing is that Basically, sort of finishes season four is kind of the end. Season five then is is this weak season because it's like the main story's gone, and so he sort of yeah. So that was kind of the other way around where it was robbed of the full length, but accelerated. Squished, accelerated. <laughs> Funny enough, the acceleration actually improved ratings. Yeah. Because at the time, no other. Um, I, I'm not going to say no other show ever, but none in that genre for certain had this strong because like next generation star trek which is like the original star trek each individual episode they had continuing characters and they had some you know callbacks to earlier episodes but there was no story and ds9 started out the same way and then i think most of the way through like maybe season three or four babylon five ds9 started to have some continuing story yeah. arcs where they have like these rebels and bits and pieces and x-files also came in on that period so that was I'm not going to say Babylon 5 caused it, but certainly the movement to having Courage in, yeah. these storylines yeah. occurred around then. Yeah. 
I think once once we get into kind of the world of then like HBO, and I'm talking way back, like mid-90s, you know, and they, they do not science fiction all, but they talk about sex in the city. It was a real, like that was yeah. HBO's really big outrageous show that, again, like HBO sort of took away the formula a little bit as well and that probably built off that idea where they said, do you know what, audiences don't just have to have that singular story that everything gets wrapped up in one episode we can kind of keep rolling stories over we can have a bigger arc a character can go from a to b from the start of the season to the end we can twist and turn plots and stuff like that's where you get those other i guess like ali mcbeal yeah which is following a character and her uh, i never watched the show but her growth through it all she changed a lot and like gilmore girls about the same sort of time again it was a a growing arc in a story. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So there, I think there was a bit of that shifting um, over. So we should get into occupation. Well, the, only was, the only thing I'll say is that, yeah, my website's up and about, markregan.com.au. Put a little yeah, shameless plug in there. Um, there. And go. I've been filming but not filming science fiction because that is my next project coming up as a science fiction short, but that's not what I'm doing at the moment, filming, filming for someone else. Someone else. Someone else that's very important. Someone else that we know. That we know. (laughs) Just let's say a filmmaker that we know. And uh, a filmmaker (laughs) who is significant and who is (laughs) other. The other, yeah, that's it. That's all I'm going to say. But, yeah, it's got nothing to do with science fiction. Um, But check out the website because the Space Frames is on there just in a very different way, actually. So there we go. So it's another way to find the place. So Occupation, it is an Australian science fiction film. What we said even before we pressed record tonight, I think it's interesting because with Hamid, we kind of talked about science fiction in Kuwait doesn't get probably made that well or it's not really that existent as a product. And it's quite similar in Australia. We don't really get a lot of these genre-specific films, but... We do get um, a lot of science fiction filmed in Australia. We do get it filmed in Australia, but not so much from the Australian point of view, I suppose. not from the Australian cinema industry, if you like. It's more the case that we've got some... Good locations, some cheap sound stages, and some good, you know, effects people. Yeah, and so yeah, forth. definitely. So we've got the talent here to do it, but we just don't tend to invest in it. But Mr. Luke Spark, who's the writer and director of um, Occupation, seems to have really taken that on board, hasn't Although, he? Although I suspect, since the uh, production company that funded this was Spark Films, I have a sinking suspicion, sneaking suspicion, that he largely funded. It himself from his own company. I have nothing which seems to do a lot of that myself. That sounds production, good to me. prop, and costuming, and um, you know, what do you call it? Script development, a few other bits and pieces that Spark Films does. Mm. Uh, fully funded this, so which is he's just which gone is out fantastic. there. And, yeah, I know. He's, and look, to be honest, the thing is, I can tell you, a lot of people I've dealt with, and I'm only at the starting point of trying to get funding through screen agencies. And this is the thing, they don't quite often fund a film like this. So someone like Luke Spark, it'd be great to speak with him and see if he could let us know a little bit about that funding. I mean, he might have tried to get some funding and been shown the door because this isn't well, the kind of thing we fund. It's a bold movie. And it's a, ma- of, a major bold movie. Yeah. Massive, massive concepts. Uh, it's, yeah, pretty impressive. So look, Luke Spark is the writer and director. We can probably finally pronounce his name <laughs> Luke. So, Luke. I've been I've saying that. I've been saying Luke. Before. <laughs> Luke and Spark. I mean, I suppose it could be Sparky. Sparky. <laughs> or Sparky. There's no little apostrophe. No. Um, and then apparently under writer, we've got Luke and we also have 
Felix Williamson, which I can say as well, for additional dialogue, which is really interesting. I'd love to know what that actually means as, a, as a, someone that's an author and a screenwriter. I guess they've come on board and added some of the dialogue, punchy well, lines Well, isn't in. he one of the actors in the film? I believe he is. Uh, Felix. If he's the one. He I'm is, in. actually. He plays Seth Grimes, who's like the cowboy radio presenter. Yeah, yeah you, you right. You know where I know this guy from, though? Yep. Domain.com.au did a web series. And he was part called, of it? I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, it's a comedy. Yeah. And he's in that. And the, uh, all the characters in that all wear like these black and white stripy shirts. And they're all very um, fashionable and hipstery and so forth. He's and been so the- when I saw him on this, uh, I just couldn't. I just kept thinking of that character, which he did so well. But no, it's good. He's a good working Australian actor. I mean, I'm sure I've oh, seen him in oh, he's some been TV in a lot of shows stuff. and. Probably uh, underbelly, police rescue, and, water yeah, those kind of things. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at all these things. Uh, that welcome to Whoop Whoop. Right? That yeah. was a good show, good movie. Oh, geez, blue hit back to Blue Healers days, old yeah. school stuff. Yeah, but he's been in heaps of movies. Underbelly, I knew it was Underbelly somewhere. Underbelly, in there. yeah. He was in Lost. We're speaking about Lost. <laughs> there we go. What? Um, so that kind of caters that. It was made in 2018. Was shot in New South Wales. Has a huge cast of Home and Away actors. Home and Away, Neighbours. <laughs> but, yeah. hey, that's what people get their um, starting point in Australian... Uh, he was... Felix film. was also in Home and Away. There we go. So I wonder if the casting agent or if Luke was kind of connected because there is a massive amount of Home and Away and Neighbour actors uh, Well, in Dan this. Ewing, the, the lead of this, was in Luke's first film, Red Billabong. Right. Which is, uh, yeah, and I believe Felix is in that one as well. There you go. So I've, I, I saw the, I've only seen the trailer for that one, and I'm pretty sure I saw Felix's face in there. But uh, certainly Dan Ewing is is billed on the uh, placard for. So they've Red worked Bull together Bull. before. It's very common directors and um, actors work uh, ongoing like that. Uh, so the opening image, we have this grand big shot of Sydney, don't we? Coming across the harbour, the water, the city. We kind of have these aerial shots, very epic. We have and a the, voiceover. That voiceover um, statement thing, oh, is, was that taken from anything? Is that supposed to be something? Like, I, I didn't, there was no attribution no. to it. But I don't think so. I think that's just well, Luke. I think that's just Luke speaking to us. If, I think he's just given was, us that epic opening. It was really well done. Like, I was quite convinced that it mm. sounded like uh, you could imagine that being an actual address. Yeah. Given by someone somewhere. Not an Australian politician, but like no, an well, American No, it was an American politician. accent that had it. <laughs> and I, I, it was an interesting choice to choose an American accent. That's why I was wondering if it was actually like a, a clip from somewhere else. I couldn't Maybe, sort of yeah. It. I couldn't think of an attribution. And, and basically this voiceover was saying that humans have all these differences, but maybe we could come together if we had a common enemy, which is what I said earlier about really the hope side of it is that, well, that's what happens in this story. People mm. have to get over there. Little petty differences. You and I have so many bloody petty differences, Surrey, over all these films we talk about. No, we don't. Yes, we do. No, we do. I'm going to fight you oh, over it. Stop I'm it. fight stop you that it. we have no differences. Look, put your pants back on. Let's get back on with the talking about the film. You know what? I um, talk without pants on. So then we go to Simmons, our main character, play, played by Dan Nui, and he's a traffic controller, and he's working on this big road project. There's cranes, there's diggers, there's all those things that you expect, manly things, Surrey. Stuff that I know nothing about. The and he's, But he's drinking on the job. He uh, doesn't really give a shit about his job, I don't think it looks like. 
Um, and he's also, is he, I think, does he pop a couple of painkillers straight away with alcohol? I don't know, something like that. Something. And anyway, this farmer starts yelling out of him that he's a, taking the piss at how long this is taking. It's extremely 45 minutes, he's, his 45 fruit's going to go off. 45 minutes he's been waiting. He's got, fruit's the, f- about he's got the fruit ute and his fruit's going to go off in the sun. I was thinking, that is a long time to wait at one of those things. But then again, like in the country, sometimes you do have to wait at those stop signs for quite a long time. Yeah. It's not the city here. It's not the city. Um, and he argues with this farmer and then anyway, he sort of like polishes him off for another worker, doesn't he? And kind yeah, of like, and then just gets off and just takes off. Good on him. Knocking off. Yeah. Knocking off. Thank God it's Friday. Says, I'm, I'm out of there. <laughs> Tears out of the town and, um, picks up his brother-in-law, uh, Marcus, and they kind of have a little bit of banter and, um, in the car about his sister or his wife, Amelia. Yeah. And you're looking at me like a bit, like I don't know what I'm talking about. No, but okay. no, no. <laughs> Anyway, so it's like, I think what we've kind of realised here, or what Luke was setting up, is this guy's a bit of a deadbeat. He's a bit of an alco. He's a bit of a... Peaked in high a, school. Yeah, he's so like he was the jock of the town, maybe, if it was in an American town. But in Australia, he was the captain of the football team. Captain back Vitty. in the day. Not anymore. Not anymore. Uh, he's had his heyday, really, hasn't he? He's, he's sort of been there and done it, and then now he's on the way out. So it's a bit of a has-been. has-been, will-be. Yeah. Um, and anyway, so then we go from that. There's this nice little family arrive in town in, in a, a camper van. recreational vehicle. <laughs> and uh, we have... Who do we have? We have... I love this guy. Because I always think of Once Were Warriors. This guy's going to beat the living shit out Temuera of you. Tim Morrison. <laughs> he was also Jenga Fett in yep. The Clone Wars. And he also is. he was... All the clone soldiers. He was. Yeah. And he's in all sorts he's of in... movies over the years. He's really... Um, he's... Moana's dad. Moana's dad, yeah. But he's, he's in all sorts of movies. Like He's never obviously been the hero, but he's played a shitload of characters. He's, he's been... made a working actor. That's he's what you call a working actor, sorry. Um, he gets out and he tells his teenage daughter, texts his teenage daughter to get off her phone. Yeah, come on and out. And come and experience a bit of small town charm. A bit of Australia. Australiana. Uh, which is a bit of irony because I don't think he's Australian, he's Kiwi. Um, but they all but claim some it. Of, as I said, some of the Sydney, best Australians are yeah. New Zealanders. Yeah, quite often they're from Canada. They're yeah. from England. Well, uh, Amelia is... Oh, not Amelia. Who is that other one? Uh, Amelia's Canadian. She's been born... She was born in Canada. Um, no, Am- Amelia... No, she's the Hong Kong actress, mm. Australian. No, it's the, it's the other, the, the, the nurse who's... Vanessa, the, Vanessa with the yeah. current. She's a Canadian. She's in. Oh, the one, she's a Canadian. Sorry. She was in the one hundred as she well. She was in the one hundred. There's yeah, a few Australians that. in yeah. that show. Yeah, there is. Um, so also they, home and away. <laughs> home and away again. Peter, he's the dad, and Bella is played by Izzy Stevens, and she's the sort of tormented teenage girl that, of course, oh. hates being on family vacation. She's been taken away from the big city to see I know. some I, you shitty know, little town. Just on a side note, sorry, I see this these days, and I'm like, oh, man. You've got it good. You're on a family vacation. Yeah. There's nothing else to fucking going on. Like, I would trade that. I would go on. I would put up with Peter as my dad. I know your your parents will get you your food for yeah, you. Food. They'll drive you around. Yeah. All you get to do is listen to your music. <laughs> look out the window. It's not like you've got to organize insurance nah, or home lines or building. You don't have to. Do and any of time that is like wondrous. Like, there's not really a clock, is there? Like, there is now. 
teenage. I think, I think she'll only appreciate that in the future. She will. When her kids are like, Mom, why do we have to hold hands with these aliens? Yes. Oh, it's just because it's so much better than him killing you. Yes. Anyway, so Bella wanders the town. There's a they've got this sort of marketplace going on near the footy oval, and it's a, there's a big sign "Save Our Town." Um, she, of course, wanders around doing some footage of herself, saying how lame it all is, and uh, she comes across this guy called Dennis, who's a bit of a darrow. He's a bit of an He's, artist. He He's... quite obviously looks like a street. Hustler, yeah, he's a bit, yeah, well, in a country town, but he's Which, nice to her. Well, and... what I found surprising is how quickly she is willing to, like, personally, I'm sort of going, yeah, no, nah, look, she's from the city, yeah, she'd be going through like seeing people going, yeah, two bucks for your sketch, like, do it, and you're sort of going, yeah, you're you're not the sort of person to be talking to, yeah, getting around because, oh, look, in fact, the cop comes up and then <laughs> makes him move on, on. and he's sort of thinking, that's the sort of trouble you're going to get into, like. You really want to be She's a teenage girl, damn it. And Peter's her stepdad. She's going to act up if she wants to, sorry. Oh, yeah. This is the thing. I think they're attracted. But wouldn't she act up by going with like a real straight-laced non-murdering? No, that's not how it works. Non-murderer, non-gangster? You've got a daughter. I've got a daughter. We're going to learn this the hard way in about 10 years, okay? So just look forward to that. They're going to go off off the grifter just to annoy us. Yeah, but that makes sense to me, though, because I'm not. Yeah, her her stepdad Peter is an ex con. Yeah, for running with a gang. So, so she should she should go off with like a stockbroker, like an accountant. Or an accountant. Or something. <laughs> Take this, Peter. A doctor. Look at this or a guy. Lawyer. He's got a degree. Or a police officer. Yeah, yeah. That's, that would be who she should. That go with. that yeah. that would really piss him off. Yeah. Anyway, so um, we learn that Simmons. Uh, I th- look. I don't know if she's they're married or not, but they're together with Amelia. She's um, a good, good, like uh, hardworking Australian Asian, isn't she? Because she's running a restaurant and getting a law degree. Yeah, and her mum doesn't approve of her choice of partner. Partner, no. Um, and in this, they reveal that Simmons has a bit of an ongoing head injury. Yes, he, um, he had which a, they kind he was of in play a coma. Off of, yeah, at some point. See, this is what happens when you play AFL. Sorry, I know you've missed out on this experience, but this is quite common in the AFL that you get head injuries and you end up in comas. Well, that would explain the AFL players I've talked to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They won't remember you. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Play play enough games of AFL and you won't remember your first one. That's right. You'll never remember your first. Nothing like your first one. You can't remember it. So we get to the football field and um, we have this young buck, Jackson. He's an up-and-coming captain. And uh, his girlfriend, Vanessa, is up the duff. Do it. She but comes he, in a nurse's scrub. She does. Says, I'm preggers. Yeah. And you're waiting for him to go, is it mine? Because yeah. <laughs> that's like the dumbest thing to yeah. say But ever. no, he's into it. And he's he, right yeah, into he, it. He sort of wavers a little bit and goes, oh, that's so good. Are yeah. you sure? Yeah. And she sort of indicates that she's a nurse, yeah. which somehow means that she is sure. She knows. <laughs> uh, maybe she just like spoke to the ultrasound person. They they got the heartbeat going. But yeah, so that, so that's pretty good. and so he's really pleased with that. And then uh, he's you know, wish gets his gets his luck wished to him for the foot. Is that the right way of saying? It? I don't know how to talk. I don't, know. I don't, I don't know. speak English most of the time. No. Usually it's yeah, the, he's off. It's going to be good. He's off to the footy game him. too, yeah. and he's he's the new captain. He is, and that, this is where we get a bit of tension between him and Simmons. So Simmons has sort of been brought in as the as the uh, 
trophy that he's back out there tonight. He's yeah, playing a game. Say, this is a, a save our town game. They're yeah. the drop bears. Do you see that? The, the, the drop bears <laughs> is the team. And Jackson, of course, you know, hands him his helmet and says, make sure you wear your helmet. Yeah. Is, which I think is it's one of those, it's a bit old school trying to unman him. Yeah, he is. He's trying. But he's like, I don't know if that's really as valid coming into current day where you go, thank you. That's very kind of yeah, you to yeah. be considerate like that. You're right. However, I wish to risk my life, which he does. Yep. He chucks the helmet away. So the football game starts um, and it kind of comes up pretty quickly that Simmons is a little bit past it. He's struggling to keep up. He makes a bit of a bad kick. He stuffs up. Jackson's not happy about it. So it's all not really going too well for him. Um, and, you know, it's not looking that well as a, as a saviour footy game for the town or whatever it might be. Um, and all of a sudden, the bow goes out, the lights flicker, yeah. uh, cell phone, lo- they lost cell coverage yep. because at the very stage, as I said, uh, Peter texted his daughter and said, hey, come on out. And she was obviously, you know, checking her social medias or whatever it is that kids Stop do working. these days, TikToks. <laughs> she, the TikTok. She, she, she was she was the TikToking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever else it is that kids do these the days. The kids these days. And uh, but then she was she tried to send a message to him saying she couldn't the TikTok. But couldn't she couldn't the TikTok <laughs> or put her photos on the line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and so so, so that we, was disturbing. Very disturbing. So yeah, end so, of the film. <laughs> so then we go that the lights go out. Uh, but then it's like um, some big noises cool and, and bright, multicolored lights, almost like thunder at first. Yeah, yeah. But there's lights coming over the hills. They kind of come out of the ground. And, and everyone's kind up. of, and fair enough, everyone's kind of going, is this some kind of show they're Light putting show, on? Like, yeah. is this, is like someone's really shelled out for the for the big money yeah, here. Yeah, this is looking good. Because, yeah, they, were, they had the celebrity DJ there who was um, the, the Felix fellow with a yeah. big Seth. mustache. Mustache. Mustache <laughs> on uh, with the uh, 93.7 country smile on your dial. That's right. Which, which I don't know, it's terrible. Um, but then quickly, the uh, someone, who, who is it that yells the first warning? Oh, it's the farmer, Fruit yeah, he, he knows, he knows. He goes, get out of here! <laughs> and that's when all hell breaks loose yeah. and these, these spaceships come spaceships, flying yeah. across and there's lasers pew, 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 shooting up the oval. Explosions. Causing problems. Yeah. And everyone just starts screaming and fleeing and They're panicking. jumping over the fences and then there's like uh, troops come marching in. Yeah, they do. They come out of the cornfield bloody quickly, don't Cane, they? They come out. Canefields. Yeah, we don't have cornfields in Australia. No. I'm sure we do. Look, if we you're do, out there listening and you've got cornfields, we do have corn let me know where they are because I don't know. But canefields, cane I've, driv- yes. I've driven through those. Northern New they South are Wales. Canefields, you're correct. Southern, southern Queensland. Probably these, most of Queensland, actually. These soldiers come out and uh, we get a pretty good look, which, again, for me, I was a bit surprised with because quite often in these sort of films... They don't give you um, details straight away, do they? They kind no. of keep a bit. But we get a good look at these uh, alien soldiers. They've got these. They've got hardcore armor. They've got these amazing long um, uh, guns, laser guns, which they're firing off. There's also a, a bucket load of them that come mm. out. Um, they're very aggressive. They're very full on. They're proper. It looks like they're proper soldiers. 
their masks are really cool. They've got a very like distinct neon light down the middle yeah, that of red, them. Yeah, red crack down yeah, the face so paint. That's and, really and cool. even their face is kind of the, the armor is just crackles across part of it. So it's a it's a bit of a creepy looking mask, but you can tell it's a strong looking mask. So they've definitely got the upper hand. Um, so people run, flee. I know Bella tries to run to get, I think, to get her mum, and she, like someone whacks her over. You know, yeah, that sort she, of panic she run. Falls over. Um, Marcus actually, little kind Marcus. Of tries Who'd, who'd been eyeing her off at various other times going, Yeah. Because you gotta think, and I don't know what it's like in a small country town, but you've got to be thinking there's a limited population. Yes. And as a teenage boy, mm-hmm. you're looking at all of the population that would be <laughs> Who am I amenable with? to your advances. And so when a new girl comes in, you kinda of go, Yeah, you gotta go you gotta crack oh, your look. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> something, something something new to the petri dish. Yeah. <laughs> she she might talk to me because she doesn't know anything that's happened before. That's right. As he runs over and helps her up, she doesn't know about the aliens, <laughs> which is which is great. See, that's uh, oddly enough, a little Marcus save the cat moment, isn't it? It is. He's the one. He's gone and helped her. He's up, the one that saves her, and he runs her off towards her dad, and then her dad takes a hand and then runs off and leaves poor Marcus. I know, just Marcus leaves him is there, there looking, going, "Oh, yeah. but but I was the hero." Anyway, so we have explosions and we have uh, destruction. The police try to fire their guns and they're kind of like overpowered. Um, yeah, you know, we're, we not, we're not like the United States. We don't have police with tanks. No, and no. Well, this is a country town anyway. This is just a, you know, it's one cop car, two cops. Um, but, you know, they're just totally overrun. And we end up, uh, we also see the aliens starting to like actually take people prisoner. Like they're yeah, starting they're, to they're herd them up. They're rounding them up and putting yeah, them in. They're not just letting them. them go. They're like putting them in And they're not massacring batches. them either, which is the yeah. important point. Yes. Oh, they, kill um, a, they kill a few, obviously. They've got to have their fun. Yeah. Peter is um, with Bella. He's separated. He's lost his wife and son. Uh, and they kind of get back to their camper van. And this is where Simmons um, and Amelia kind of like, they get there and they're like, oh, get in the camper van. Let's, you know, like floor it, get out of here. Um, and he sort of he's waiting for his wife. He's like calling out to her. Um, and then Jackson, I think Jackson with the other footy player didn't get actually his name. And then he gets shot right like in front yeah, of Jackson. Yeah, that's that's a um, bit of motivation to to get out of there process, quickly. Yeah. You know, like to move, move, move. Um, and they sort of hop in. And the the radio host Seth, he's the, he gets I think a little bit wounded. And Simmons grabs him and they kind of drag him into the van. Mm, yeah, and like, they convince Peter like. He says to him, "We'll find your wife, but let's just let's just get go now." And so, like, it's a really rushed decision, but they get out of there. And then, instead of going down the main road, Peter actually kind of veers off, right or left, or cuts something, through the and fields. cuts through the field. And you know, and he, and even Simmons, who's the country boy, is like, "What the hell are you?" Doing? <laughs> he goes, well, "I'm doing it." You're crazy, and, um, mate. And maybe this is where we're seeing a bit of Peter's kind of, because we don't know at this point, but Peter's backstory. He's got a bit a of a bit, wild side. He's got a bit of a wild side. He's got a bit of an edge maybe to him. Um, so they kind of, and they do, they get out of the chaos of the, the town being invaded. Um, and then they're, they're going along this nice, good old Aussie deserted sort of road and um, a spaceship suddenly tracks them, uh, you know, flies past the them, hits them, lights them up. their windows yeah. and comes up. And then starts hunting them and it's getting, you know, obviously it's going to, gain on them really quickly it's gaining on us and uh it's about yeah, to fire make this go faster this is faster <laughs> this is faster like you're going to outrun a spaceship you know, <laughs> in a camp camp van at all like, yeah i know uh anyway it's a it looks like it's about to fire and they're all going to be dead when the air force come in yeah Ba-boom. which to be honest probably for the australian air force is a little bit unbelievable but hey hey 
They were there. They showed up in yeah, the Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, the thing is the air bases are out they in are. country towns. And we don't know... I mean, like, later in the film we, we learn that, like, there's an offensive in Sydney and stuff. It's like... You don't un- you don't completely understand. Like maybe they were just attacking this specific town to get that factory but to hey, the what I to do, do the virus, like though, so you just don't know. And because it, it it often bugs me about a lot of alien invasion type films, is the air force jet comes flying through and shoots it down, and that's yeah. There's no magical shields that yeah magically protect it. You know, in there's no such thing in reality to have a force shield that will stop bullets. Yeah. That's right. Uh, you know, you can you you might be able to have a really powerful magnetic uh, field to discourage uh, energy weapons, but good old bullets. This shoot, blows it up, blows it, and and that's good. Of course, the air force are a bit overwhelmed because of the the number Sheer and scale, and, and and these these alien ships are better. Yes, but you you get you get the drop on them, and you can knock them down. Yeah. It's always nice to see. I I hate it when movies just make. The aliens just force field magically and invincible. And the force, go, ah. um, but anyway, so they they're surprised, but they get out, and Simmons looks, and he he says like, "Oh, there's no alien in here. It's an un." Yeah, that's also a nice touch, yeah. I think, because we're heading that way ourselves. So yes, there's yeah. less and less chance that there's a. a pile. Uh, I can't remember what it's going. Uh, there's a there's a new development that's, that's coming online now, where they're testing these unmanned. Like not just unmanned drones like they have now, where they've got these drones that carry like a couple of missiles yeah, yeah. and just go around, but actual fighters like interceptor to to shoot down air superiority fighters. And the thing is, drones aren't restricted in their G-force maneuvers. If you go above about eight G maneuver for more than about twenty seconds, human pilots pass out. So you're limited there by the flesh bag that's inside the machine. <laughs> But you go and just have a, a solid state computer system in there and, yeah, you can do the most ridiculous manoeuvres that no human would ever survive. They just turn into slosh. That's right. So it changes the way it looks, doesn't it? That. Um, so anyway, and then as this happens, big bright light comes flying down the highway and they're a bit like, oh, is it alien? But no, it's the farmer. Farmer, what was his name? Um, Arnold? <laughs> I don't know if that's right. I don't know. Correct me. Tell me who the farmer's name is. I don't think. Uh, if uh, the it might be, yeah, it might be old aunt Charles. 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 Played by Joe Charles. No, probably not. Oh well, look, if if maybe, well, I reckon Dan Ewing. If he got in touch, he'd be able to tell us who played that. He would. Hashtag or, Dan Ewing. <laughs> or if the guy who played the farmer, uh, embarrassingly enough, we don't have his name just yet. We we could look. We'll we'll look it up and. Correct that later. We'll send a, a, an <laughs> apology email. Yes. <laughs> but so, anyway, his, he, he, ro- he rocks yeah. up and uh, they uh, have a bit of... And Jackson? No, who's with him? Dennis. Uh, Dennis is in the tray. Has the artist. Jumped in, he points out how hard... Vangabum. He, he's had a bit of bit of biffo here with a farmer fellow and saying, you know, that the farmers are a very down-to-earth, you know, saltier, sort of uh, honest, hard-working sort of person. And, and Dennis is is a bit of a, a free spirit. So they, they don't initially get on. It's stowed away. But then they decide they've got to get out of here. They like do. They can't, just, they can't have this conversation on the road. So they're going to go to uh, an old farm and 
uh, who is it that says, I know where we can hide? Dennis, Dennis does. Yeah, Dennis. Dennis says, and that's why we keep him around, of course. Yeah. He says, look, I know where we can hide. He and knows everyone, some of these places. Everyone obviously believes that he does know some place yeah, to hide because can, that's what he does. That's right. So he jumps back in the car and they all drive off to this old farm. And for any European listeners, when we say an old farm in Australia, we mean maybe it's 60, yeah. 80 years old. <laughs> it's not that old. Probably, it's, probably like from the eighties or something. It's not like <laughs> it's been I, abandoned since the eighties. I, I, right? I worked for a little while over in the UK, and one of the guys I met there and sort of became friends with, his house was over six hundred years old. Uh, it's just no. Okay, we, so no, no. There's nothing. There, there's no European anything in Australia that is that old. No, not at all. And but, most of the old stuff we demolish. Yeah, um, so apart. we pretty much it is then the next day after they've. A, got into this abandoned place um, and they kind of go into this major survival mode really quickly. Like they, they're kind of all doing little roles and little jobs. Marcus, for example, kind of talks about like how many supplies they have and what they should ration. Um, they discuss like going to town or staying in safety. They discuss kind of staying, camping, you know, what should they do? Bella and um, Dennis, like they, they do start like it's, uh, he talks about cutting the leaf off so off the branches so that it doesn't create lots of smoke. Like they're really sort of in a very, I was surprised actually, like they went into a very quick um, survival mode and maybe that was to sort of lead to the point that, well, they're going to become a pretty sophisticated military unit really quickly and maybe it needed to be shown that these aren't just people that are going to sit back and they need Mars bars well, to I live. Do, like, I do have to say though, one of the um, advantages of setting this in a country town is you've got people who are probably more likely to have survival mm. skills. Like Dennis, if he were in a city yeah, he, and say he was homeless, he would know you know, where, where the bridges, underpasses were that were the best, where yeah. the public toilets were that you could use, where uh, we could get you know, water to Maybe drink. Maybe running water or something yeah, and, and stuff. You know, where the 24-hour gym was that you could sneak in and, and make use of the showers. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But the... the that's the thing. He would not know anything about fire. Then. Yeah. But a country town, of course, he's That's going, right. well, I know how to like have a fire without much smoke because if you have much smoke, first of all, it could be a fire, bushfire ban season, so you yep. can't do it. But also he's probably on a farmer's property. Yep. And the farmers who start seeing smoke or f- fire about place, they're going to get a bit pissed off that you're yep. on their mucking about on their land without yeah. their permission. And likewise, uh, you know, the, the farmer fellow, you know, sure he's a, fruit farmer and so forth, but he, he knows about uh, the seasons and weather and he'd know, you know, a lot of that sort of stuff. So yes, yeah. it's, it's quite... You're, you're probably right that they've got more chance of living off the land. Let's, let's face it, if, <clears throat> uh, I could help you program a computer, but there'd be no <laughs> computers to program because the aliens have destroyed them. So, you know, uh, I know how to garden a veggie patch at home, but that doesn't equate to much out in a farm scale. But all this sort of survival group mentality is sort of split a little bit very quickly because Jackson wants to leave. He wants to get Vanessa, his pregnant girlfriend. Let's get out of there. Seth, the radio host as well, he's like, no, let's just leave. Let's run. He'd already indicated that this is not his hometown. No, so let's just go. Um, And they're all a bit unsure. And what they need is a leader really, don't they? And they also, it's revealed that Peter... Just got out of jail, so they're all kind of well. That's, yeah, because Jackson says, "Yeah, what do we got here? We, yeah, we've got 
no one, you know, we've got a, a bum and a, a yeah. farmer and like we'd rather no take one, chances. Do, do any of you know how to, you know, kill? Yeah, yeah. And I think Bella points out that oh, you know, oh, Peter, Peter ran with I can't remember some gang or other. The Bra Boys. Yeah, something along those lines. <laughs> I don't know. They're, they're mostly surfers, aren't they? Oh, they are, but I'm just, that's the only real gang yeah. I know in Australian history. I mean, apart from the bikies. If, you, know, if like, you drop in on them uh, on Maroubra Beach, yeah, they'll, they'll probably slash yell your, at you and stuff. Slash your tires. I don't know. They've got guns and things. Yeah. Anyway. But, no, he did, but they said that he ran with some, I can't gang remember, the and, underdog yeah. street gang or whatever it is. Doesn't matter. And but and yeah, so Peter doesn't look too pleased that this history has been announced. But yeah, he points out he does say yeah, I spent seven. I years just got in jail. out of the clink. Yeah, seven <laughs> years in jail, which yeah, again for American listeners, that's basically because he killed someone. Yes, like you don't get seven years. In fact, I think it's about fourteen years for first yeah. year, but seven on good behaviour. So clearly, yeah. And as he points out, he's trying to reform. He's, he's in fact moving his. Family. family away from the city, so yeah. he gets out of that lifestyle. Yep. And then this is where Simmons kind of, you know, the leader has to kind of kick in. It, it reminded me a fair bit of The Walking Dead. You know, you need Rick to kind of settle the troops in a way. And Simmons says, no, we're going to stay and we need to go in town and look for our families. Like, we need to see what's happened to them. Um, and with that, Amelia comes running in and is like, come on, you've got to come see this. And they walk out on this epic ledge and they're all in awe or shock or whatever you really want to say, but you can see up in the sky this just ginormous alien spaceship. Yeah. It is massive, isn't it? It's huge. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like a flying city. Yeah. It, you don't know how high up it is. But no, but it just It's looks, higher than the clouds, so it's got to be. Yeah. you got to think, yeah, it's up where the And there's little dots, like. so you can imagine maybe they're the spaceships that are the drone things, and you're like, oh, yeah, this thing is huge. Um. So, yeah, we go for – it's very daunting because it's like, ooh, ooh we're going to take on that, you know. Um, Simmons, Simmons and Amelia and Dennis go to town and this is where they kind of learn that they see the destruction. There's not really – there's no survivors anywhere um, and they kind of see the aliens doing things and taking over, uh, you know, collecting stuff. And it's also where they see that they're taking – hurting some people off I think they're hurting them off in cars or something, are they? a truck or something, and then others they've got imprisoned. Yeah, they, they don't they, really know quite. They're doing, they're hurting some off. To yeah, the they've other got like side. the big cage and. Yeah, and it's the old abandoned factory that used to have where everyone worked in town <laughs> that shut down. So they've taken over. Very, very um, logical of the aliens to to take over that. You know, I wonder if BHP is still working in the mining company out the back. They're like, they never shut down, would they? Even in an alien invasion, they'd just keep working. Yeah, they'd just probably fly the aliens in. Fly, fly the aliens. Fly <laughs> We've got jobs for you if you want. Come on in. Um, oh, you've got your own spaceships. Okay, great. Yeah, well, we don't on. have to pay Qantas now. Yeah, that's right. And you pop. Um, and uh, so then they come back to the abandoned house and, and tell them, you know, what's going on. Um, and just as they get back, basically a spaceship scans their house and the lights and the colours and all that overtake it, come through the windows, you know, it's that really cool effect. And then it disappears. But they realise they hear they hear footsteps, so they all go into hiding and two mm. soldier alien soldiers enter the house. Yeah. And it's, you know, a bit of cat and mouse stuff going on yeah, here. Yeah, one of them smashes through a wall and grabs hold of Dennis the mouse. Yeah. And another one is menacing Bella and... Yeah, there's a good bit of tension. Simo and... 
And and Peter Peter Simo. Pops, I'm surprised he wasn't called Simo. I'm, I'm surprised too. Now. I mean, You've just said it. I hadn't even thought of it. He's yeah, a footy Simo. player with the last name of Simmons, and he's not Simo. Whatevs. So Peter pops out with the the gun that it was revealed he has. Yeah. Uh, which was sort of one of the main reasons why Jackson stayed. I think was the fact. Yeah. Oh, okay. He does have a gun. There is something here because again, Australia doesn't have a lot of guns. No. And certainly a handgun. Yeah. Doesn't exist except for. Gang Police members and <laughs> and gang members and gang members. Yeah. Although I was, I was talking to a, a cop friend of mine, uh, he works in the training, and he says now, because it was since the was it was it ninety seven ninety nine or when was it Port Arthur? Uh, that was ninety six. Ninety six. Yeah. yeah. So after ninety six, there was a, a big gun buyback. There was, massive. and all the laws changed. You can't have more than like two shots or three yeah. shots maximum, and only people with a valid reason to have a gun. Yeah, you got to have license. Yeah, are allowed to have one. Yeah. Uh, and everyone else, no, you can't just have one. And, and, you know, just having one for home protection is not a valid reason. No, no. And so as a result, my, my cop friend was saying that, yeah, they don't see handguns. Like, no. certainly you, you don't see automatic weapons. No. And handguns, every now and then you'll get, like, like a, an old revolver that sort of fell through the gaps. But he says the bigger problem now is you're seeing sawn down rifles. Yeah, and the problem with, of course, rifle bullets is they're a lot higher powered, and so they will go through buildings and through multiple people and the police uh, body armor and things. So it says, yeah, it's uncommon to find guns, but nowadays when you when do you find do them, find, it's a very they, te- they they tend to be these they sort of punch. you know old three oh three rifles that have been cut down and they're all farmer rifles and things and um, they're not they don't have like lots of ammo in them. They've only got a few shots, but I mean, how many do you need? Yeah, that's right. Like, if you go through the police car and take I them mean, the, the mission has been accomplished. We don't have mass shootings. <laughs> yeah. But uh, when it comes to, you know, raiding a, a bikey's uh, compound. They're probably going to have a couple of them. Yeah, you get a couple of those things going around and it's a bit of a pain in the bum. So, so good old um, uh, Peter then f- does fire his gun at oh, one of these shoots, aliens. Oh, he man. He goes, and, he goes But it doesn't it. really work. It's not going oh, through the armour. That's great. How many times do you see these people wearing armour and no. it does nothing? No, no. Uh, I was just watching that, that movie Old Guard with uh, Charlize Theron. Oh, okay. Well, not a bad movie, but there's all these guys wearing, you know, SWAT-type armour, yeah. like body suits and so forth. They just one shot, they're dead. Yeah. You're going, why are they wearing the armour then? they got yeah. helmets and they got vests and... But not for Paul Pete. He, he fires away Pete. and this alien just kind of laughs at him in a way. Um, and then Simo, I'm going to call Simo. him Simo from here on, and attacks and uh, he like, you know, does a good old footy tackle, takes him to the ground, but then it's just he starts getting the shit beat down. Yeah. And like he's, it's he's, not long before that. He's trying to hold top. the thing and, and Peter's saying, hold him still, yeah. I'm trying to get a shot. Yeah, on but him. there's a good old beat in. And again, this is, see, this goes back to the purpose of the film that the others are in hiding and they're not really... Uh, the other one ripped out Dennis and stuff, and they're not doing well. But then they all realise that you know what? It's the old strength in numbers, isn't it? So mm. they all attack, and just at that probably that moment that Paul Simo was probably going to have his light switched off, they all attack, and they kind of all get involved, and that's what that's what does it, isn't it? You well, know? they overpower that guy, and then yeah. Peter, of course, just puts the gun up under the helmet and shoots. Boom. And I think is it Vanessa or Bella that then. Fires one of the alien. Yeah, weapons. Bella picks up the Bella, alien. Yeah, gun. and so takes out the other one. Shoots so, the other dude. Yeah, and they examine the body. They're kind of all a bit disgusted by it. Blue, 
um, blue blood and everything inside. As necessary. As necessary. Um, and Simo puts the helmet on, which I always think is a fucking dangerous thing to do. <laughs> Don't know what the hell is going to go on in that thing. But It'd be smelly too, wouldn't it? He does say it's smelly, and I like that. I like yeah. that they, they have that in this movie. And, and that's not just, self. you know, sort of speciesism against aliens. No. I think any soldier's helmet you it would, would have put smelly, it on yeah. after the be fight. Be stinky, be it's, sweaty. It, that'd be gross. <laughs> that'd be gross. If you're a soldier, uh, and and them, like it could have blood in it. If you are a soldier, listen to this. Get in touch. Is your helmet a bit gross <laughs> after you've been running around the bush for a bit? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, and he realizes that they can see anything through their radar that's living. So that means that if we kind of go deep into the forest, deep into the bush, as we would say, they didn't say bush in the film; they said forest. I like that. Yeah, that's um, yeah because we, Americans we, we're like what we heard <laughs> we about go the, deep in the bush. Yeah, the, the the you like to go deep in the bush, team the forest. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, we go into the Hunt forest. for beaver in yeah. the bush. Find anything in that bush. Sorry, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you, there's uh, you can <laughs> you can see anything that's living. Uh, which means if we retreat further into the forest, we should be safe. Like, we're basically well, invisible. He's, yeah. he's saying that, and the, we've got a little bit of monster vision through the, the helmet. And a bit sure of predator enough, vision in a way. You know, yeah, like the, the, people, the people were kind of sketchy to see. They were sort of pixelated. and They and were, yeah. Having trouble. Um, so then, then, and in that moment, they decide that we can sort of fight back. We can be a bit of a rebel force. And there's a beautiful, big, epic, low-angle shot of this kind of, you know, group of misfits in a way. Yeah. But they look a bit powerful now. They've just taken out two aliens. They've got a bit of a plan. They've got a bit of information. They've got to save the town. They Are they going to be able to save the town? And it kind of looks a bit promising. And I've got to say that then I like this as a plot point, that then we basically have a montage. So they kind of go into training, training mode. Montage. The farmer reveals that he was in the reserves many years ago, you know, for the Australian Army. So he knows a few little things and he talks about that, you know, a, um, uh, an occupying force can be overpowered. You've got to find you just... out what their strategic point, what, yeah. what's strategically important to them. Yes. And so they kind of, yeah. it looks like, well, maybe what's important to them is like humans. So they kind of, you know, they want to hurt humans. So then that's how they sort of start attacking them. And yeah. they, they get more of their weapons and they surprise it. And it's just real... Good old-fashioned, what I would call, like, guerrilla tactics, isn't it? Yeah. It's like coming out, you know, they trip them over, they, like, slice their heads off, they fire on them, they get them when they're least expecting, in little numbers. They're not going after huge armies. They're just going after the little guy. And um, there's this great montage because they they kind of have some wins, but they also have some loses. Like, the army, the, the aliens win, sorry. Yeah. And I liked that. So it's like they kind of set up a bit of a camp, and then the aliens rock up in disguises at the camp. Mm. And then they kind of like save some prisoners, but then you sort of see them being fired upon and people, humans are dying, you know. Yeah. like So I kind of liked that. There was a real like tossing and turning. Um, and they poison the water, like the aliens poison the water. Oh, so it's like it's a nice little sort of... No one of these aliens' homeworlds ruined. <laughs> I know, I know. But it was a good little montage. Um and they sort of surprise attack them, but they the humans get out, and we then get this boom, boom. Yes, which is convenient because we all know what happens in nine months. Nine months, Vanessa. Although, yeah, if she knew she was pregnant already, she would have been six to eight weeks already pregnant. Yeah, and it's not nine months, is it? Nine months is an illusion because it's forty weeks. Yeah, it's something. So I don't, know, I don't know, but 
Yeah. But that's that's irrelevant to the story. The, the story is you know, you know. Be, because of common uh, usage that a baby is coming soon. Yes. That's why we've we've jumped to eight and months. And I guess it does come pretty soon anyway, even though it is eight months later, isn't it? It's pretty much then, yeah, anyway. <laughs> Don't need to do maths. This is a science fiction film, sorry. Yeah, we're we're, we're in the midst of the plot. We'll lean more on the fiction then. Yeah. Um, so we come in and Simmons and Amelia are sort of like, you know, they, they look like they're more militarised and they come across this little girl, Chloe. Uh, in cane field. In a cane field. Yeah. <laughs> and um, she basically, you know, they kind of, Amelia, is, and she basically gives them an alien USB. Yeah. You know, and um, also she describes, and we see a little bit of a flashback that they're experimenting on humans and they've done something to yeah, her. She's, she's got these she's scars. She's got bandages and stuff And on. she's a bit mentally, you know, she seems a bit mentally tapped. Um, and she's she's telling them that the humans are in prison. They're working basically as slaves. You sort of see them like working crops and stuff, um, like the good old sort of chain gangs, really, isn't yeah, it? It's like yeah, the old prison gangs. They're out there like, digging the, cultivating the soil. For... Yeah, and the guards are all, st- you know, overst- overpowering them and stuff. Um, and they, they're sort of surprised attacked by some of the aliens. And I think this is... I'm not sure he was in it a little bit earlier, but there was an inclination of a bit of a general, wasn't there? Like yeah, a bit of a, a captain, commander. Yeah, you can tell he kind of kept rocking up and going, "Damn it!" He has the cape on. Yeah, so you know, he's, you know, he's somewhat important because mm. there is a challenge, of course. And they had this same with stormtroopers: is how do you indicate everyone? They're all wearing these armor. All aliens, you can't see yeah. Jack, and and let's face it, we don't know how to distinguish one alien wearing armor from another alien wearing armor. No, totally racist. Yeah, I know. It's just armorist. I should recognize their armor instinctively. Yeah. But anyway. We don't. One of them, put, <laughs> you whack a cape on one of them, and they did this with the stormtroopers, put a cape on one of them, or make one of them silver. Yeah. And suddenly you go, ooh. Oh, that's the one. That's the leader. That's the leader. Of that's course, the bad guy. In reality, in military, particularly when you're in active duty, you don't have distinguishing features. No, so that we don't. Because know. you don't want to have like the one silver stormtrooper amongst all the white ones. You go, I wonder if they're the commander. Perhaps we should shoot that one. Yeah, kill that one first. <laughs> There's only one of them wearing like a cape type thing. He must be important. No, he's just nah, he's just wearing a cape. Get the guy just next to him in the red shirt. <laughs> That's right. Look, he, like my kids go into childcare. One of them wants to wear like a cape today. Like they're not supposed to wear capes. He wears a cape, and it's the same rationale with the stormtroopers. That guy's just wearing a cape today. He yeah. just felt like wearing a cape. Perhaps Darth be- isn't going to be happy. Perhaps but, it is know. part of their standard uniform that, yep. that they can choose to wear a cape. I'm wearing a cape today, thank you, boys. Yep. The rest of you can <laughs> go with rest- the samey, samey <laughs> armour, but I'm going to stand out today. <laughs> Dude, we've talked about this. I don't care. You're going to get shot. You're definitely going to get shot today. <laughs> But I look good doing it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, okay. So anyway, yeah, so there's the commander. So uh, there is the commander. And um, the gang kind of have got this plan that they come and come across that they've, they've detonated this. I, I didn't 100% well, get the point of this. I, like, the idea was that there's some sort of a drop-off uh, okay, where, yeah. where troops were coming from, they right, said. okay, yeah. So, and so I, the, the I spaceship that, yeah. landed. And then took off and go, okay, that's where the, the troops have just been dropped off. And they hit the, bu- the, yeah. the button and it goes boom. Yeah. And they, they blow up stuff and they go, woohoo, we won. But Amelia's left behind and she sees a, a parent with a child. Yes. So there's a few of them sort of having trouble and like there's like a clearly a non combatant, like not wearing the armor. Yeah. 
with a child, or yeah. at least maybe maybe they get smaller as they get older. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. But but also, I think there was that, and there's also another one that like who's been injured, and the, the other one like helps. Yeah, helps. So it's very up, human, isn't it? It's kind it, of like and, suddenly, and it doesn't look military. It's no, not like they're all suddenly, suddenly jumping action, bit. picking up guns. Yeah. They're all kind and of. They're not wearing armor, and they're a bit yeah. like exposed. So. It's a bit of the old, like, you feel for them suddenly. Yes, you know? suddenly there's like, oh, actually, they're not just all, again, they're not just space Nazis. No. You know. Um, so they comfort each other. Anyway, so they return to camp. And this camp now, because it's the eight months later, it's a sophisticated camp. It's It's got survival things going on. It's got water collection bases. It's got some sort of spider web thing that I was a bit unsure about. A dream catcher. A dream catcher, massive dream catcher. Um, there's there's quite a few people. Probably I thought about maybe a hundred strong. It is a small Australian country town. There yeah. will be at least one crystal wielding dream catcher hey, carrying. Very um, important to have that in there. Person. Sorry. Yep, that's the religion. Okay, that's so fine. You, you got it. Um, and there's probably about a hundred or so humans, and they seem to like as these guys come back in, they're the heroes of this camp. Aren't yeah, they? they're, they're kind of like given a bit of a hero's well, welcome. In theory, I guess over the past eight months, they're the ones who rescued all mm. of these people from enslavement. So yeah, yeah. it helps. Um, and it looks like there's a bit of, there's a bit of training going on. There's a crossbow action going on. You know, there's a, there's, they're they're a much more sophisticated camp. Um, anyway, it's Vanessa notifies uh, Simo and Amelia and that that came back from this explosion that, well, Jackson came back with something. He came back with an alien prisoner. Yeah. And so they walk into one of the tents and basically one of the, one of the aliens is tied up. He's a soldier, um, you know, and they the point of this is they debate what they should do with him. Like, And so Jackson's saying we should be able to get some information out of him. Um, and then the, Amelia, I think, sort of saying, well, we should, you know, look after him and, you know, treat him normal. Try the farmer's a bit like that. The farmer's like, no, we should respect him and, you know, treat him ethically. Yeah. Um, so they have that kind of good old debate. Um, Peter wants to rip his freaking head off and shit. Yeah, but <laughs> Amelia gets left with him for a moment. He does. Yeah, she and, does. And she whips out the, the, the USB. USB. <laughs> and she shows it to him and he goes, he goes, beep, beep, beep. Yep. And he's <laughs> Which I, I was immediately reminded of the predator. Yes. Yeah, because it's similar, to, and and yeah. I think it's it's a um, a d- problem with those sort of gloves that these alien costumes always have is that you can't do fine manipulation. You can't have so, little tiny buttons. No. So what sort of manipulation can they do? They can go tap, tap, and swipe. And I just immediately thought of him. You're going, boom, boom, because that that would be it. You know, like he, he sort of goes, "Oh my god, you brought a hand grenade." <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good luck. Screw you guys. But he presses the buttons and instead of like a, a space map comes, comes up. up big you can three see map. Earth. And it, and it spins around and, and it shows uh, like a, a path, a circular path through. And uh, I'm, I wasn't entirely sure what it was showing me here except no, that. No. You could see Earth and it brought up a few of the, you know, like for us and even in these movies, they do quite often show the Sydney Opera House. And I think it was the big Jesus statue in Brazil. And yeah. Yeah, I don't that's know. what they call them too—the big Jesus. Yeah, but they—I I don't know what the name is. But it's I like you know they, they're quite off. Like Independence Day did it, didn't it? Perfectly. It's like yeah, the spaceships come down. And it's like the Sydney Opera House, and then it probably was the big Jesus, and it was like the pyramids, yeah. and it's the big ben, big the Ben Tower. Ameri- the Americans go, "This is what everyone thinks about the world, isn't it? These is, are icons around the world. This is know? the world. The uh, Taj Mahal or whatever yeah. it is in India." Um, I'm not an expert on all that. It's just like, yeah, just chuck in some stock footage of all of those places. 
Um, so it did show something like that and it looked like a map of Earth and like circled and then anyway, Simo comes in and kind of shuts that Says, USB what are you doing? shit down. And, and Peter come in. Peter yeah, comes um, in. And... But, you know, they're, they're, that's kind of... No, Peter, I don't think... He doesn't come in yet? No, I don't think he did there. Bella and we and cut from that to Bella and Dennis having a nice little moment together and they're letting go of... The, that's what... Dennis let says, oh, there's $10,000 in this. Let him go. $10,000 in this bum bag. <laughs> he throws Not it on the using fire. cash anymore. Can you imagine what that would burn like? $10,000 in Australian plastic money it would stink. in a bum bag. It would stink. It would smoke up. It would, oh, you wouldn't be able to sit around that. It was a fanny pack. It was a fanny pack. He <laughs> said, uh, you can't say it in Australia. Come <laughs> on, please. Bum bag. And then... Then, yeah, so and Bella she, is encouraged she, to let something go. Yeah, she lets go of the phone. She actually, and, which I was going to say. Which would I, burn just as badly. <laughs> I, I said to my wife, I said, yeah, that lithium battery in there, you don't want that in a fire. <laughs> remember those, uh, the Samsung Note yeah, 9 yeah. got taken over. It wasn't like on airplanes because yes. it tended to explode. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so. I certainly hope she didn't have any photos or anything she wanted to keep a hold of. Because, well, I think she did. She was filming herself early, wasn't she? So I think she did. But anyway. Filming so, of yourself. But it was all about her mom and, you know. Yeah. Um, Peter ha- has come in then with the alien and he says, the only way to win is to kill as many of these things as possible to make them leave. Yeah, to make it too expensive for them to stay. stay. Which <laughs> is, makes sense. It is a valid military tactic. Yeah. yeah. Is it's, you don't actually have to kill all of them. No. You just have to make it cheaper to leave than yeah. to stay. Yeah. Once it becomes, and this is what happened in you make Europe. It- European warfare all the time yeah. was largely about uh, because this is if you go back before standing paid for armies and the, the development of war bond that was a major financial instrument that was introduced to allow standing armies for yeah. invasion. You go back before that, it was basically the Lord, you know, King uh, Henry. He he rallied around all of his lords and said, "Okay, gather up your your dudes." Yep. And he and so he would go around to all of his knights and say, "Okay, all of you knights, go around to your villages and gather up your your people." Yep. And they would all form up, and most of the way they were paid because while they're doing that, they're not farming. Right. But the reason they do it is, in part, because they're kind of obliged to. But they got the spoils of war, so you they went across to France and they go smash a town. You get to pillage it. Yeah. You take take whatever you can. And you can bring it back. Yeah. So. The idea of defending against that was you didn't have to kill the armies no. or anything. You just had to stop them from fighting you long enough that it became too expensive yeah. to keep the army there because people would just leave. They'd go, yeah. like knights would, sort of lords would sort of go, while I'm here, no one's tending the crops yeah. and I'm not getting any money in yeah. to buy food yeah. because we're not winning. We're not smashing places. Yes. So, yeah, you only have to make it more expensive and then once it becomes... This threshold is passed. People just start leaving. They go, I, I can't afford it. You're not paying me enough. Because it was, as I said, this war bonds became a thing, and then suddenly the government could just gather up all the money it needed to maintain a standing army, and then you could have dreadful World War One, for example, yeah. and World War Two, where, and then and, and a lot of these other wars, Napoleonic wars and things, yeah, um, were because the government could now afford to carry That's a standing right. army and thus kill more people. So on that, Peter. Just does that method, which is just beats the living daylight out oh, of the yeah, alien. Smashes the alien. And I guess what's important is not so much that, but Simmons just sits there and, and watches him. He doesn't stop him. He doesn't try to, yeah, alleviate the alien or anything. 
And the others, like Amelia and the farmer, are not happy. They're a bit horrified by it. And so yeah. should be, really. Yeah, it's a pretty brutal, you know, good old baseball bat. I, mean, it, I don't think it really matter what living creature someone went at like that. You'd, you know, like, you wouldn't yeah. be happy about it. No. And it's interesting because as a film, um, Spark decided in this scene to then intercut that of Peter bashing oh, the alien's I love this, brain actually. With, he juxtapositioned it with then Bella and Dennis kind Get of on. getting it on in this, you know, it, it was a kind of really nice shot. You know, it's in a tunnel, the rain's pouring down. And you don't see anything. I mean, it's very G-rated, but, you know, the young couple getting it on in this tunnel. Um, and it, But it's cut between that and Peter <laughs> living daylights out of this yeah. alien. I, and, I, you know, blood spraying. It's, like, interesting, if, isn't it? If Dennis knew that was happening, do you think he would have been as amorous for Peter's daughter at the time? Well, you know. But it, I did like that. Interesting. I like that view of, of the tender moment of the couple coming together within the opposite of a tender moment of a couple yeah. coming together you yeah, know yeah and maybe that's the thing like maybe um and it'd be good again to speak with the director about this because maybe it was that you know i've we've seen films like this these epic films uh from hollywood and there is those love scenes in the middle mm. you know and they're, they're a bit like Ugh, do we really you know yeah, is like, this like is shouldn't it, they're you be fighting, fighting aliens, a war or something they're fighting aliens and yeah sure this is a bit of a B story and all of a sudden you know she's ripping her top off and they're going for it on on the top of a car or whatever it is it's like like yeah okay well it's it's like believable but it's almost like it's a bit awkward whereas by putting it like cutting it between mm. this violent scene it made it a bit more reasonable or something i don't know yeah I, yeah well, like, i think it, it didn't feel as awkward maybe you, you got know. a bit more meaning out yeah. of it get that at the at one time there's this horror occurring whilst at the same time Peter was being an alien to death. Yeah. You see what I did there? Flip it around? Yeah. Did. Pretty did. funny. Which in Peter's <laughs> mind, and that's what happens in the in a scene coming up basically, is then he threatens Dennis, Dennis yeah. away from my stepdaughter. Well he finds the sketches. He says it really well. Do you notice like he said he said, um, she's my yeah. stepdaughter like yeah. but in the way he said it, it's like you know he was in that zone of like possession you know she's mine you yeah know? like but then he's like stepdaughter you know like it was a really nice he made that line work good old tamara morrison <laughs> once were the warriors how can you fight that guy um simo after this announces it's time for a major attack they're going to collect supplies they're going to go in they're just going hard now it's time that he's what does he say? Something along the lines of like, well, we, we might die, but I'm sick of waiting around yeah, to die. Yeah, but like, point out, no, wait, everyone's tired. There's going to be mistakes made. Yeah. Why not, wait? It's not the right time. Yeah. Meanwhile, this is where Amelia investigates her own. She discovers, you know, the alien crops and the, the prisoners are digging away and all that sort of stuff. And she grabs a Buddha's hand, which is supposed to be the alien crop. But, yeah, I mean, it, that is an actual... Plant, yeah. <laughs> as we said earlier. Bit of citrus. Um, well, hey, you know what are you going to do when you get a cunt with an alien plant? Sure, whatever. Much, uh, much easier. That's to a lot use cheaper it. and easier to do, isn't it? And it looks, it, it looks it. It looks um, pretty alien. And anyway, in all this sort of commotion, so half of the boys and the ladies have gone off to do this major attack with Simo. Uh, Amelia's off investigating something on her own. Uh, so the camp is a bit, you know, down on numbers. She goes into labour. Yeah. And the rain starts pouring 
Um, and and with that, she goes into labour. Then they're then, then they're attacked. Then right? they're attacked, <laughs> <Yeah>. of course. <laughs> so the base is attacked. The team that are going out to like they're doing a scavenge hunt before their attack on the aliens. They're actually yeah, like that... they're attacked from a higher force. So they're like really you know inundated with these numbers. Yeah. Um. Anyway, and then Vanessa's it's it's great cutting this editing because we're cutting between these all these different moments. Um, and while Vanessa's trying to, you know, she's trying to get birth happening, you know, going into the process of the process of it, Seth, he starts to kind of get a bit, he's freaking really, out. yeah, panic. Well, you're getting the noise. that shot of like him looking around, and then like a shot of the aliens blowing some up. Yeah, shot of him looking a bit worried, and the shot of the aliens yeah. doing something dreadful, and people yeah. running and screaming, and explosions. And then there's like aliens coming towards him. Yeah, and he's. He says, you've, you've got to be quiet. Yeah. And because she's screaming. Yeah. Uh, as, as as I'm, su- I'm surprised any of them are yeah. just screaming. Yeah. And yeah, he tries to go at her with a he, stick. Yeah, he tries to muffle her. Like, he literally. And this is where good old Pete, like, kicks in. He, he tackles him. And they basically have a fight to Seth's death. Yes. You know, like, as it, it's expect. an accidental death, but, you know, they were going at it hard. Um, the baby is born, which is great, you know, triumph there before the aliens have kind of descended upon them. Uh, and then Vanessa dies. Yeah, uh, which doesn't surprise me. Like, no. people and I, my wife and I were sitting there watching this and we're going, she's not going to do well out of this. Like, no. it's a rainstorm whilst being attacked yeah. by aliens, life yeah. and death. This is not a good combination no. for trying to give birth. No. And it's a first childbirth. It's not like yeah. her fifth child and nope. she's knows the process and procedures and her body's nah. used to it. Oh, fifth child. They yeah. Pop out. <laughs> out, out she goes. <laughs> the vagina is ready to go in that concept, concept from my experience. So, yeah, um, so she she died in childbirth. Yeah. Bit, bit sad. Um, and Simo in his big gun battle with the aliens, he's actually shot and knocked unconscious. Yes, which yeah. I, I think is sort of a, a reference back to the fact that the reason he was out of AFL was because he had like a... It was, a 30-day coma or something yeah, funny. Yeah, so he sort of had some previous brain trauma, which can, you know, come back around. Um, and when everything is just looking dire and they're, you know, they're, they're all in trouble, um, the Australian army rock up. This was a nice touch. You know what I really liked about this? It, it did show a, um, uh, I suppose, another juxtaposition between yeah. the guerrilla fighting as best they could sort of stuff. And when the, the Australian military armed forces are in there, they're just sort of walking through, yep, you go over there, you do that. You know, like they're really well organised and the sniper and his spotter, but that's a nice touch. Yeah, uh, it was. And I, I saw on the Spark Films website that they do um, military uh, film, like acting advising. Yeah. Uh, so that was a nice touch because usually, yeah, they, they tend to show snipers just running around the place with a, a gun shooting yeah. In reality, they work in teams, and so it was a nice sort of touch there. It was, and yeah, and and the they yeah, came in very the much coordination, coordinated, and, and yeah. you sort of went, oh, okay, these guys know what they're doing, yeah, and you thought the other guys were doing pretty well, like Simo and his crew were doing pretty well, but you realise that they were a little bit ragtag, yes, and this is how it's actually done. So it was, it did give a, a feeling of safety as well. It did because you suddenly thought, oh, okay, whew, man, they've got this. They got this sorted out. They did. Um, so they're taken back to an army base and they're, they're actually told by the, well, I'll call him the commander. Um, I don't know if that was his actual, oh, I think it was 
yeah, no, I'm not too sure. Um, but yeah, the commander there, he, he actually says to them that they came out here looking for them because they heard that there was this resistance in the forest yeah. that was actually doing a bit of damage. And so they actually came out to try to help them and, and find them. They were, and, and see. they were a bit inspired by it to, to come back and, and attack again. Um, so that was interesting. It's also revealed that the all the major cities are flooded because of something to do with the spaceship. Being I, too, too I made close. that very same comment with yeah. when that that big spaceship there was up there. I said uh, that thing is going to have gravitational effects. Yes. Like you can't have something that massive. So that's that an interesting. Close. I I liked that because I and I thought of you because of the science factor. But I, I thought, oh, that's an interesting. So it's like you know we see these films where they blow the living shit out of big cities, but it's like maybe just a huge spaceship coming down would just kind of cause enough devastation yeah, to the gravitational pull. Um, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? It's like maybe you don't need to blow the crap out of things, just literally would, get um, close enough. You, you probably wouldn't get like an instant problem. No. But this is eight, nine months That's after true. their yeah, arrival. That's so true, it's causing problems. That would really mess with weather patterns and, yep. you know, tidal forces. Yeah. Yeah, you get a you get a big change of things going on there so yeah we're told the cities are flooded like governments don't really exist the leaders of all in hiding or ran away and and really it's just kind of uh, what's left is what's left in terms of military presence events this invading force um peter says that he wants to now leave like look you're with the army you know it's time for bella and me to leave and and find his wife um, but Amelia really pleased with him to stay, and she says she'll help find his wife, but you got, we've got to stay together. Um, we then get kind of, they get drawn in, the Colonel, good old Jacqueline McKenzie here, great Australian actress, been in loads of films and things over the years. She plays the big Colonel, um, and she informs them that they know that in that factory they've been building a weapon, a virus, to yes. really wipe out the they human race. move it into Sydney. They want to move it to Sydney, um, well, so they have the, moved it to Sydney, well, as she says. Yeah, they have moved so it to Sydney. So they need a diversion co- attack and rescuing the uh, people from the, the country factory folk, who really gets? would be uh, <laughs> a good d- diversion yeah. because you know, it would, um, the factory is still important to them yeah. and all those people. So that's the plan. They're going to do that. Yeah, so they'll do that as a diversion while then they send in every last plane, helicopter, whatever into Sydney to try and to like... this is a nice way to, a, a to avoid having to have too many aeroplanes and helicopters yeah. in the final battle of the, That's true. the country town. Otherwise, it, yeah, you were sort of going, well, why is the Air Force not attacking this factory? And yeah. Then, the reason is because they're all in Sydney, which is hours and hours away. That's right. Um, and so the gang, she, they, she says the gang are kind of basically, you're welcome to help us we'd like you to help well, us because yeah, you know the, the terrain yeah, and you know the you situation got the local knowledge. um but it's up to you and so the gang is kind of a bit disbanded amelia is the one that's gun ho jackson says i'm out yeah i've got a bubby i have a baby now and simo um, is still unconscious simo's unconscious but amelia's keen peter we think is going to leave to find his wife but as the army get all ready the commander's getting ready to do his thing um, Amelia comes out and then they all do come out apart from Jackson and Simo uh, and they're like oh no we are still a group and we're going to do this together and that's where the commander says a great line where she Amelia says what's the plan then he goes cause a distraction get your people out and save the fucking planet yeah I love to save the planet it's, <laughs> it's kind of almost like he's saying yeah it's pretty much the plot of every other film but that's what we're doing <laughs> but I like it um 
So yeah. they kind of get into position, uh, but communications drops off. Um, it, and the commander is uh, saying... Well, there's, there's not enough resistance no, is happening. No, yeah, like it's, sort of, it's a bit weird. It's too easy on. to approach. Yeah, go, something is wrong. On? He's not happy with it. Um, it's a trap. And, and the colonel says it's a trap. It's a trap. It's a good old-fashioned trap. So. Uh, well, yeah, of course, Simo used the line, if you want to leave, come with me, which is earlier in the film. I, I, I personally quite enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. And I would have taken the opportunity to say that as well. You should have. Shall we continue on now? We should. Um, So it is a trap and they never move the virus. That's what she's sort of revealing. Um, Anyway, Jackson's like, what's going on? Like, we need to go help our group. This is the final battle here in the country town. Yeah. How about that? I know. It's a nice little twist. Um, uh, Oh, sorry. And she, the colonel tells Jackson, well, there's no more help. We can't, I can't send any more men in. It would be suicidal. Suicide mission. And she doesn't want to do that, which is totally fair enough. So he goes and wakes Simo up with a bucket of water. Well, waggles his legs first to see if that helps. Yeah, but a bucket of water, that's all you need to get someone out of a coma. So yeah, bucket of water splashes on, he, he jumps up and gives him a rundown of what's does, going on. That's pretty easy. And they go off and it's basically the major battle, isn't it? So the, it's the, the team in the army do a good old-fashioned huge battle scene attack on oh, the it's, field. It's lovely. The you know, there's slow motion, going, there's, there's machine guns, there's lasers. Initially it looks stuff. like it's working well, but then the aliens Doesn't, have a counter-strike. The, the, the alien commander, the cape, yeah. he has like a big laser gun yeah, thing. I was wondering where those sort of things, because often aliens are depicted having rather pointless weapons. Yep. That kind of go. Pew, no, pew, he pew. has a big sort of. But he's he has this that just fires a big blast everywhere, yeah. which was gratifying to see. It's also yeah. nice to see then the, the commander and the army commander have a have a one off. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. <coughs> he should have worn a cape too. He should have in that moment, shouldn't he? Um, and Amelia gets shot and rolls over, and she gets back up. And meanwhile, Simo and Jackson they break in the back door while they're all Natch. this crap's going on. They just kind of get in, don't they? Um, and Jackson goes off and he set the good old, does the good old setting up of the explosives. Um, and they free the prisoners, you know, they, they get them out. Um, Simo plugs his USB, the alien USB thing in. And this is where he sees, like, again, I was still not completely clear on this, but it looked like there was two aliens overlooking the whole thing. Yeah. A spaceship or something. Um, but then it also looked like there was a mother planet, like a satellite image of a mother planet yeah, circling. Yeah, he mentions they've been playing this for years or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so it looked like all this information about Earth. Um, <clears throat> anyway, this alien comes out and uh, he's cornered, but he but he holds... Sorry, yeah, the, he takes an alien that's got this crystal thing, so that must be the virus weapon, doesn't Match. it? I mean, it looks like the it. virus weapon because it's, it's in a, a crystal container and it's yeah. got... Sort of a, a, a slightly glowing yellowy green fluid. Yeah. So he's we got this know, special, yeah. We all know from long cinema experience that's, right. that's, that's something dangerous. Important. Yes. Um, anyway, the this this alien commander comes out and he can talk English now. Oh. I know. So he, he um, they sort of have a standoff about the crystal and he says, well, if we need to kill to survive, we will. Yeah. He tells them that our home world is destroyed. Yeah. And we've got nowhere else to go. We know we have to come here. Yeah. And there's not many left of them. There's actually yeah, like this big spaceship in most of it. There's not actually that many. Which there's would explain the drones, for example. Yep. And their dead world also explains why their life-viewing helmets are not well-attuned. 
to operation on Earth. Yeah. Because I guess for God knows how many generations, they've not been in a world... Living world. ...filled with life. Yes. Um, So the military move in um, and the military base has been attacked. Um, So the army do attack. The helicopters then come in, like the leftover helicopters from Sydney. Yeah, I guess I think they pop up. There's a couple of them that pop up and they provide a bit of help and then they're also shot down with the drones. We have the commander fights the commander 101 and the Aussie one is beaten to a pulp. Um, And just then the prisoners kind of have a moment where they do, they have that same realisation that in fact we should get involved in this and attack, shouldn't we? And they do and they do and they start overpowering their soldiers and the alien commander is confused by that, and it just gives the Ste- oh, yeah because he steps forward to, to say something. Yeah, and behind him, the, he pops up with the that Aussie big commander alien. pushes the gun around and point blank range. Yeah, as a last shoots second. him off into the distance. He does. But you disintegrates. Um, yeah, uh, Sim- Simmons is sort of having a standoff, and he like flees, but he gets shot. He's then in hiding, and the aliens come on top of him, and then he's you know on his own, and he escapes. Um, and then he's, yeah, he's on his own. He gets on the radio and he says uh, to anyone out there, and then Amelia actually answers, and uh, mm. he tells her that, look, he's got the crystal. He'll blow everything up, sacrificing himself. Good old sacrifice mm. yourself. Why not? For the greater good. Um, she doesn't want him to do that, of course, because, you know, she loves him. Um, but he says goodbye. He says his goodbyes, and, uh, you know, he says it's for the greater good and blah, 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 doesn't he? It's um, always nice when people say something's for the greater good and it's themselves they're sacrificing, not someone else. Yeah, it is better. That's, that's how you know the good guys versus the bad guys. The bad guys always have to say, you have to die for the greater good. That's You're right. Like, Why is it that the greater good includes you? Yes, that's it. <laughs> I don't trust that, but he's doing the other way around. So but then Jackson good. rocks up, actually. Jackson. And um, he's, he's, you know, so then they're together and they do a good old footy pass on yeah, the crystal. Yeah, I do this safe and they hands. Do a roll and so, but then Jackson's blowing over and, and dying. Um, so he's, he, he says, you know, I'll take the hit, run, get out of here. And he takes the heat and he's just yelling out, take care of my little girl, take care of my little girl. And he's, you know, he's no. firing on okay, the... Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. And Simo's just doing the old-fashioned, you know, Bruce Willis slow run out of the factory kind of thing, but it looks like he's still in the factory, sorry. So then we see Jackson dying, saying, Dang, oh, my little girl, and he pushes the button. Adrian! <laughs> Allison! Allison! <laughs> Vanessa! Whoever you are! <laughs> well, Come the daughter's on. called Allison. I'm pretty sure he does say, yeah. Allison! Yeah, Allison. <laughs> um... And uh, there's a, before that detonates, sorry, there is a good sort of montage slow motion of all the main characters. Yeah, where they're up know, to like, in the They're battles. all kind of battling their own little things, aren't they? They're either having a fight, firing their gun, running into battle, whatever they're doing. They're all having these one-on-one situations. Mm. Um, and even the farmer, I think, has got the baby while the, you know, the bomb's coming over the head and stuff like that. Um and uh, Jackson detonates it. Yeah, he, he's like... There's the good old-fashioned... He, he does what he's supposed to yeah, do. explosion. Deed. And uh, basically the aliens have to then... The leftover aliens have to surrender, so they're all arrested. Um, Peter gets his wife back and his child. You know, Bella gets her mum. You know, they're all happy families again. 
um, in, in the military say, oh, in Sydney, the actual, there was a bit of a pushback. So they sort of had a bit of success, actually. Yeah. The kind of defences were down a bit. Simmons hands the weapon over to the military. You know, he, he kind of comes out of the smoke and haze and he's actually all right. So Amelia reunites with him. Um, and then the prison soldiers, and this is that nice moment that Amelia then goes up and she says, you know, trust me, give me a knife. And the alien's standing there. You think, well, is she going to stab it? What's she going to do? But she actually cuts the handcuff away and offers the alien her hand, like a handshake, and says, you know, will you share the world with us? Will you help us? You know, yeah, so rebuild. Because yeah. this comes off the back of something that was really good. I liked what she said there when she's seen the uh, the base get blown up and the mother with child. I assume it's mother yeah. with child alien. And she she says to Simo, uh, it's funny we keep calling him Simo. He's never referred to Simo, but says to Simo, <laughs> the um, said, oh, they're they're here to stay. They're not going anywhere. You know, it's like Christopher Columbus, Captain Cook. Yeah. Uh, every time in the history, you know, we just, uh, you know, we've got a, a chance to do something different and work with them, you know, which I liked that. That would be a really hard thing to think of because yeah. Simo's reaction is the, the gut reaction that everyone yeah. has. You know, well, no. Let's just blow them out I of want, I want the life that I choose yeah. and not be you know, not be forced into choosing some other life. Yeah. Which of course, you know, I don't, I can't think of any colonized people that might've thought that themselves at some point in history, but mm -hmm. it was really nice. that there was that, that sort of, Hey, pointing out, Hey, you do realize we're now in that situation Yeah, where the, the, the foreigners have come here and have said, yeah, we're here now. This is our stuff. Yep. Uh, and so it, it's really good that I, I liked that ending that, that she came there. It wasn't a, we blew the mothership up and wiped them all out. You know, we made it too expensive for them to continue, basically. Yeah. Uh, instead, it was a case of, um, they kind of did, they, they took away that, that viral weapon, mm. which would have decided that it was going to go one way. Yeah. And now it's just like, okay, now we don't have that big decision happening. Why don't we just make this a bit better? Because... We could all do it. It's a nice message, and that's that hope I yeah. think that comes out of here. Not yeah, only of course. did all these people come together and unite against an enemy, but they also came together to unite with the enemy. Yeah, yeah. Against, I suppose, the larger enemy, which is continued warfare and destruction. Yeah. Which I don't think many of the aliens really want. No, well, not if they want to kind of take over the planet properly, do they? Um, so anyway, that's a nice moment, um, and then we have this last scene of that then they're coming together. Amelia does a bit of a voiceover telling, telling us, the audience, that they've had to come together, that some of the alien the aliens joined forces, but then there's the force in Sydney and I suppose maybe in other big cities or wherever around the world, but not all, all of them agree. And so we have this great sort of shot, epic shot of them entering a really destroyed Sydney Opera House. But you know it's Sydney because of the Opera House. Yeah. <laughs> it's a broken down, and they're, but they're, they're all looking we'll, militarised We'll ignore the again. fact that the Sydney Opera House is like really central Sydney. So they've, they've had to go through, I don't know, about 20 kilometres or yeah. so of Sydney. Of Sydney before, <laughs> to get to that point. Before they reach that point. Um, but, anyway. and, but, but it's always, you know, it's symbolic, isn't it? And yeah. they come in there to 
it looks like they're coming up to have a fight with a, obviously probably another military force, you know. So it's a, and that's how it, how it ends. That, that's yeah. the end, which is great. So yeah, it's a fantastic science fiction action blockbuster of a film, isn't it? Uh, it's huge concepts and a big, uh, to set this in a small Aussie town, but then have the, Stakes global. I mean, it's, it's yeah. sort of like Independence Day. It is. And I, I made the joke to my wife while watching it when they they come up and you know they're, they're going to say their big thing, and I say, "And today was January twenty sixth, and today <laughs> January twenty sixth will be known as Australia Day for all the world." Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they didn't quite go that cheesy, did they? No. Um, so it was. It was an amazing viewing experience. I mean, I really put this like you know down to something like Independence Day. I think this is a kind of a match-up to it. Well, and I've yeah. never I've never really, like we said at the start with Hummed, uh, I've never really seen an Australian film probably hit something like this out that really does go head-to-head with, with a big blockbuster yeah, it's, like it's, that. It's you know, pushing its I, way up there, I've aren't it? I've seen, like, uh, I don't know if you ever saw When the World ends tomorrow is that what it's tomorrow when tomorrow the war, when the world ends yeah when the war starts when the war ends and that that's oh, that's sort of right. an epic film you know it's supposed to be big but i think this this takes it to another level and tomorrow it really when the war began when the war tomorrow when the war began that's it sorry yeah i, I i'm a bit out of it and um yeah that that like that was trying to be a big blockbuster and this is trying to be a big blockbuster i think this one really ticks you know those those boxes and i think if you're someone that really likes those big action kind of adventure multi-character stories this really is quite an a, a, an amazing feat for good old sparky um because yeah i think i think he's done really well so to me it's like you get to the end of this film and you really want some alien butt kicked but then humanity survives and in fact it's it's kind of better than those other alien films that i've seen because we're now like joining forces with the aliens. We're kind yeah. of bringing them together. And I think that gives a, a, a genuine feeling of hope at the end. It because does. If it was just more killing and more warfare, you're sort of thinking, well, where What's does the that, point? Yeah, where does it end? What we're just going to go yeah, back to just, what we used to have? Yeah, that's right. Because I got to tell you, what we have right now <laughs> could be done with a bit of improvement. It could. It could. It and could. so, on the other hand, however, that alien force comes in, they were the occupying force, so they were coming to colonize. Mm. And then they turn around and sort of say, well, we're willing to work together. Let's work together. Let's and, and be colonised. Go, yeah, okay. I guess yeah. we'll, we'll give that a shot too. Yeah. And suddenly you go, okay, that's better than what we've had now. That's true, past. yeah. This is not just a repeat of, no. you know, this is not just a like a, a revenge fantasy no. movie. This is a corporation fantasy movie. Yes. Yeah, you know, <laughs> which, is, which is nice. And it's nice to have that more positive it is. ending rather than you know, trying to tell you that destroying a spaceship populated by tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of individuals trying to pretend that destroying that is a good thing yeah, like, yeah. let's I cheer mean, on killing everything yeah. i suppose again if you if they were all space nazis which is what a lot of these <laughs> movies present the aliens as sure it's a good thing but in this case they weren't space nazis they no. were space colonists that's right they'll try and they they were genuinely Looking for a home, and I guess like the deeper thing, whether whether the writer or director wanted this, but like you could say, well, that might be us one day. You know, if we keep destroying our planet, we might all have to shift off the planet and look for another planet. So what happens then? You know, we would be like this colonizing force, wouldn't oh, we? You betcha. And and I and I wouldn't put it past us because we 
look at the world and even look at the, you know, like we get, we're talking about the moon and Mars and stuff and we're not really worrying about other Martian life, are we? We're, we're just taking our own existence onwards, aren't we? That's yeah. what we're thinking about. So what about the ladder? Sorry, this one goes on to our everyday ladder. For me, I am <laughs> putting it in right at number 22. We've got a list of, uh, yeah, that's your one there. Um, we've got a list of now 28 on the everyday ladders. So we're really doing quite a few Space Brain Marley. episodes now. Um, but for me, I'm going to put it in at number 22, which comes just after Pitch Black and goes in before The Wandering Earth. And you know what? I really thought this is a good example um, next to The Wandering Earth because The Wandering Earth is kind of like a Chinese blockbuster. Yeah. And I felt like this is an Australian blockbuster. I haven't seen many Australian blockbusters. They don't get done. Um, but I felt like it kind of matched a lot of those beats of the Wandering Earth, actually. So for me, it's like that. It does tick a lot of boxes. There's some great science fiction in here, some great special effects. I loved the aliens. Um, and it does kind of fit more into that huge blockbuster feel. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, so that's where I'm going to put it in is number 22. Sim- similar there. And the, the Darkest Dawn, Wandering Earth. Um, yeah, the Darkest Dawn was a similar one. Aliens arriving, yep. aliens, big alien um, invasion. Likewise, it was sort of set in a smaller town yep. environment. Yep. Uh, certainly, solidly in there. And I'm keen to see like there's a sequel to this movie coming out. Yeah, yeah. And it's ramping up the the budget. It'd be interesting to see like this film. I think was about a six million dollar budget. That's what Wikipedia says. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure Spark Films could more accurately portray that. Yeah. But it's it's got to be in that sort of ballpark. Yeah, yeah. What would what would it be able to do with you know the hundred and fifty million dollar, two hundred million dollar mm-hmm. sort of budgets that the, these these big you know blockbuster films have? Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, and that's the thing. If you throw you know if you're saying six million, you know something like Independence Day back in the mid nineties had a couple of hundred mil. You know, like yeah. so you throw a couple of hundred mil at this, and it's it's on par with that. Oh, yeah. Um, well and truly, yeah, definitely. Um, what about a best scene? What stood out to you? What was a little bit of a favourite scene for yourself? Uh, one nice one of my favourite scenes is the uh, factory at the end. Uh, his, he, Simo, is coming in past the, uh, through the back door and you've got this nice, is bright sort of light outside. The inside is dim. It's like it's just some nice lighting in there. Uh, and, he, and he steps forward. And he just steps up and he sees some aliens and the aliens see him. And as he's stepping up, he steps up into a patch of light that goes across his eyes as he delivers. I can't remember what line he delivers, to tell you the truth. But he, he delivers some line and to, you know, shoot. And it's just, that was just, it was just a, a beautiful scene that sort of brought up uh, and the light just hit at the right spot. And um, marvellous uh, composition there, I think. Yeah, yeah. That um, was a cool scene. That's a great scene. The other one, of course, is the uh, the the love scene interposed with the position, yeah, with the uh, the Peter. death scene, the beating <laughs> scene, the violence, yeah, love versus death. Yeah, it was it, that was. Um, I particularly paid attention to that. Mm, me too, and appreciated it, and and like, it took me a little bit into that scene to realize that I was appreciating it for that. Like, it's not yeah. like I was all went. I wasn't being all critical and analytical about it. No. It was like I was going, oh, this is really good. 
why am I enjoying this? Oh, right, because he's gone, you know, ape shit on the alien while the other two are having, having a pash out. Yeah. But yeah, so so that those two scenes, I think they were they were top quality scenes. Um, the, you wouldn't find better arrangements in any other, in in other films. Yeah, definitely. Except for maybe two thousand one Space Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked um, the the overall alien attack scene, just way back at the start with the football field going, the lights out. I liked. I liked that it played off that idea of a real country town feel of these glowing lights coming towards them, people kind of going, what's going on? As we said, the mayor, someone paid for this? Like, someone, this someone mentioned that to the mayor. Yeah, like, he says, you um, know, like, so that naivety of like what was coming towards them and then even like a lot of people were filming Yeah, it. they pulled out their cameras. And there was a nice bit where, like, I think Marcus was trying to focus on his phone camera as well, like what the light was. And there was this impending doom as an audience member, but the 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 small yeah, town. You're waiting for the, for the first shots to be fired. Yeah. yeah, and like you're waiting for that. It was a good moment of tension and a bit of. There's almost like a bit of, and I've, I have seen this in a couple of other films where it's like before destruction, there's a bit of beauty. So it was almost beauty in like the coloured lights and all that. So I just liked that, you know, like when the the scene unfolded, it was all all good, and I thought that was really well done with the explosions and the aliens, and I really did like when the soldiers entered the town but um i just really liked that anticipation of those lights and and the way the town reacted i felt like it was very realistic um it's a a little bit simpsons isn't it like you know like the way the crowd little small country town react to something like Mm. that um i really liked that and then even just not that long later in the film when they're in the farmhouse and those two soldiers enter i kind of really liked that like it takes. It reminded me of Signs, you know, the M Night Shyamalan oh, film, yeah. again, where like, you know, in that the aliens come down, and again, it's like an alien per person, and it kind of to me, yeah, if we have an alien invasion, it's sort of, you know, we are such a huge population that that it almost, yeah, well, there's seven billion of us on the planet. They need seven billion aliens maybe to kind of attack, you know, and so this idea of like one on one combat and and uh, you know what it would be the difference between that. Um, and to me, it was very obvious that, you know, the film was trying to suggest we need to come together as a group to then overcome yeah. a power, you know, a more powerful being. And if we don't, we probably get eliminated pretty quickly. And so I just, I just thought that was really cool. I like, I, I think I always prefer that sort of more, it's more interesting if it's like genuinely an alien creature versus a human and what would happen in a battle like that and what it takes to overcome, you know, that those different the, those different powers. So I really liked that. What about the science? Sorry, what do you want to? What do you science. want to talk about the science in this film? Well, biological warfare. Yeah, a very interesting case. Uh, there's a controversial case, in fact, here biological warfare in Australia. Yeah. Yes, back in 1798. Jeez. Sorry, 1789. <laughs> that long ago? What? We oh, were not doing oh, biological warfare there. Seventeen eighty nine. Oh, biological warfare has been going back for millennia. The um, who are they? The the oh, the I English. I, I didn't want to say the the Huns are chucking like plague victims over yeah. walls and um, there's been poisoning of wells and yeah. so forth. But in this case here, there's there's um, uh, it's been there was a. A smallpox outbreak okay. amongst the Aboriginal population of Australia, 1789, around um, 
Port Phillip. Where is it? Yeah, so the there's a there's a claim basically that there was it was being used it was intentionally released because it's it's not disputed whether there was an outbreak. Yeah, there was. But the question comes down to was it intentionally released in order to decimate the population, as it was done in the United States when the before it was the United States, then it was the colonies. The British um, military handed out uh, infected rugs and so forth. Because the smallpox had been ravaging Europe and Asia for a long time. A long time. Yeah, there's there's evidence in you know mummies from Egypt, three thousand year old mummies of smallpox scars. So we're so thinking this is something that's been coming and going a lot. Yep. And it's a well known. It's about a thirty percent death rate, and the people who don't die, there's some. A lot of them go blind. Massive, terrible scarring. Uh, it's very, very unpleasant disease. Uh, in the United, in I keep saying the United States, it wasn't the United States at the time. It was the colonies, the the frontier colonies. There was a, about an up to ninety percent death rate amongst the Native Americans, and that's because the Europeans uh, have been exposed to smallpox a lot. In fact, there was a a vaccination process called varia variolation, that's named after vaccination. But anyway. Uh, where they would purposely infect people with a there's there's two strains of the smallpox they did the lesser one which had a better chance of survival and people still died from this but it didn't it wasn't until the cowpox was used and the actual vaccination was done that it, but in 1789 the other um, assertion is that smallpox was not recorded amongst uh, there was no smallpox victims or outbreaks recorded amongst the First Fleet colonists. Right. Colonists, you know, military. Mm-hmm. Which means they're sort of saying that there was no live smallpox coming across, and it's highly unlikely the ocean voyage would have allowed smallpox to survive. Yep. But instead, there were Aboriginal um, people were trading with Indonesians and Papua New Guineans up in the north, and they did have the occasional smallpox. So they reckon that maybe... It was just a, an unfortunate coincidence that there was a movement uh, amongst the local Aboriginals which exposed them to traders from the north and they got it. But there's, uh, yeah, so there's back and forward on this situation here. I'm not going to take a stance. <laughs> but, but it's entirely. I would like to take a stance. <laughs> but smallpox has been used by the British military previously in those centuries. It's now banned. Of course, there was a lot of research through World War Two regarding these uh, viral agents and so forth. Japan, in particular, used biological attacks to, um, in an effort to to defeat China and, and so forth. They also killed a lot of their own people by accident. Um, but it's it's since been banned, and it was just it was just really interesting to have a look at this. And smallpox is so good because it spreads by droplets in the air and i was just reading they're saying that the best situation for transmission and this might sound familiar is if you're <laughs> within sort of 1.8 1.5 meters for more than about 15 minutes which i realize now actually that's probably why we've been given that advice yeah to limit contact keep social distance 
and not spend long times because they found that in a house or a building or a hospital, like just being in that sort of proximity is almost no transmission. Yeah. But it's, yeah, within the sort of distance that we are, Yeah, if we're for more than 15 minutes, high level of transmission. Yeah. Well, I've, I've been saying this whole time, I don't want to be in the same room as you. I wish the producers could put me in a separate room. That has uh, nothing to do with the coronavirus. That's well, just to do I, with I'm our gonna, relationship. I will, I will talk to the producers yeah, about Yeah, the producers this need to do it. I want to be behind a closed screen next time. Thank you. See what happens. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, yeah, that is interesting. So, yeah, biological. And the reason biological warfare is so attractive and something that I'm worried about or has been a lot of worry is with genetic engineering development. Yeah, right. If you could, for example, find a genetic marker that signaled out a particular racial group. Right, yep then perhaps you could create a variation on the influenza which only affected that group. particular racial group, yeah. Yes, uh, and that's, of course, somewhat debunked because the mostly the world is not that um, well delineated by genotypes. The strongest uh, grouping of single genetic origin is Iceland and there's just not that many people who want to kill Icelanders no <laughs> just they're cute aren't they there's, there's a there's a what a few hundred thousand a few a few million like this it's not a big country and then but no. they and not many people go there or not, not many people come out so it's, it's <laughs> a very uh there's been a lot of um, genetic research done on the Iceland population because they've got such a stable Gene pool. Yeah. But uh, other gene pools like, you know, Japan, for example, has got um, people that have come over from Korea, from China. There's a local um, sort of more indigenous population there as well. And there's been mixing amongst all of that, not to mention the fact that then you had the Jesuit missionaries that were over in Japan from the, I want to say, 1500s. So. Yeah, so there's not. Trying to sort of just go, well, we're going to. Do a genetic marker. We're going to be the master race by killing off everyone who is of, you know, Eastern European descent. You go, well, that's most of the world. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, just of African descent. I'm sorry, that is all that of is the, the world. world. <laughs> We've all got some yeah. percentage. <laughs> you kind of, hmm, Denisovians? <laughs> They're already dead. <sighs> oh, well. The alien race. The alien race. Uh, well, what, about, the what about Homo plurensis? Florensis also already dead. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, but alien race, there would be such a divergence of there would be. You know, biology there that, yes, you could. But it wouldn't take long for an alien and a human to hook up, I don't think, once, the, once we got on the same page. Well, yeah, I'm, you, know, I'm, you know, they're big, big eyes. Like, they've got gorgeous big black they, eyes. Flick their eyelids at me. I just, right. I just want to tap them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> extremely painful for them. Sorry, it's, but yeah. it's probably yeah. outrageously painful. Yeah, <laughs> but they got such big eyes. They do. Anyway, so so that's sort of the science is biological warfare. It's, it's it's illegal. Smallpox was eradicated. It exists only as a couple of samples and a few germ labs. And the only reason they haven't they've been debating whether they should destroy those as a symbolic, you know, hey, we won type of thing. They've realized that, well, uh, smallpox probably came from a rat in Central or, or um, South America somewhere. And if another one comes out, because there's, there's a lot of rainforest there. Yep. And is it all similar to smallpox? We'll probably want to have some comparison That's subjects. Right. Yeah. 
1977 was the last confirmed smallpox in Sri Lanka. Three-year-old girl. Uh, they isolated, put guards, and a 1.5-mile radius around the house, they vaccinated everyone. And as a result, no more transmission. And that's the sort of thing we need to do. And that's why vaccination is genuinely important. Yep, definitely. Um, particularly for life-threatening illness after smallpox. Terrible. Yeah. Polio. All those things terrible. Not anymore, though, thankfully. Because of vaccines. Yes. Um, I probably don't really need to say a lot about technicalities of filmmaking because we've sort of talked at length of them. I, I mean, I'm just astounded this film, you know, like the cinematography was beautiful. It really stood up. There was lots of, as I was saying earlier, with the battle scenes, we, you know, we really flicked through a lot of shots. We didn't just have the one standard shot going on. We went drone shots. We went low angle shots, mm. point of view shots, cameras on the gun shots. We saw from the aliens. We saw from the prisoners. We saw from, you know, the military guard. Um, it was really quickly edited. And in fact, overall, the editing was really great. We've talked about that great juxtapositioning scene. We've also talked about like even when, uh, Vanessa gave birth. We were cutting from her giving birth to the soldiers attacking, to the aliens attacking, to the military group mm. attacking. There was also like sort of a few moments set up in the editing, like Amelia, the big bright lights were put on her. You thought, well, she's being captured. No, she was actually being saved by the military. Um, and the same earlier in the film with the alien, we thought being shot down. There's another alien. No, it turns into be the farmer's ute. You know, like we have this clever use of editing throughout um, the film. Um, there's, I thought the costumes were great. Just saying with the, the alien eyes. I mean, I thought they were really yeah, quite a realistic looking. And I, I wrote down a note like it's. I've seen a lot of alien films over my time. You know, everything from Alien. You know, you go Predator, those kind of classic things. But I've seen quite a few creepy horror alien films. There's a great one called Communion. Oh, yeah. Um, and there's also a Rook de Haug one, which I can't remember the name. I thought about it today. I probably should have Googled it, but it's just a kind of creepy farm one, a bit like something like Signs. Signs is another one, but that one, like there's a little white alien dude in the corner of the farm, you know, like it's not alien invasion as in, you know, like this film is just one aliens come to this farmer, really scary little film. Um, but this idea of the big bug eyes that you were just saying and stuff, but I thought they really did this well. These costumes looked great to me. And the number of them. They had the so many. Them, yeah, they had so many of them. I also thought when they had the armour on, I, li- I really liked that. I liked the cut down the face on the armour that was lit up. I also like that that was jaggedy. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. A, a smooth. Because a lot of times if you go for, say, in Star Wars, the stormtroopers yep. have a very mass-manufactured, Symmetrical, you know, and in fact, it even goes so far as to be black and white. You mm, know, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's clearly some sort of a, a, a stamped out process. Yep. Uh, these aliens, I've also sort of seen. I suppose Battlestar Galactic. You got the yeah. Cylons, which sort of the new, the newer one. Mm-hmm. They were they had like this sort of vertical, like almost like a Grecian helmet type yep. of thing, but it was all very smooth, clean cut. And these ones had that the line down the middle of the face and was jaggedy yeah. and red. Uh, and it kind of looked like a, a wound. Yeah. You know, you could imagine then that maybe, I don't know, maybe the intention was it was meant to sort of uh, illustrate that these aliens were a bit wounded. Maybe. They, yeah. they had a, um, uh, a you know, broken uh, planet they yeah. come from. They weren't this 
smooth, well-integrated killing no. machine. They no, were right. a bit kind of damaged. Yep. I don't know if that's the intention. Yeah, I don't know either. Or it's more like they're rough and rugged and tough in another way, you know? Like yeah. they're kind of more, you know, it's a more um, Mad Max sort of style, like put together kind of outfit, isn't yeah. it? You know, it's a bit more like we're tough and we're renegades. Uh, but I thought they were great. I thought that, and the guns were really powerful and big and bright. They didn't, they didn't look, um, even when the humans took them, they didn't. They didn't look out of place. They looked like real guns to me. Mm. You know, they they pulled off them well. I also liked the fact that the humans could just fire them. Yes. You know, like it wasn't something that you had to be an alien to shoot this gun. <laughs> like, because no, um, that was like District Nine. District Nine, yeah, it does that. Yeah, you know? that that would kind of indicate that it's a spacefaring, multi-conquering race that have had reason to have. Their, their weapons locked to themselves. Yeah. It, it just suited this the style of these aliens. I mean, District 9 has its own style, but it suited suited these aliens. I don't know why. Like, I liked that, being that it was this fight between the two, I suppose. Mm. So, anyway, I think we're focused so much on a lot of those technicalities. I don't, I don't really... It's a very schmick, slick, um, sweet film, this one. If and it was put together in six months. Yeah, and that's even more impressive, that's, isn't it? Yeah. That's from... Yeah, writing through a six-week uh, filming schedule, uh, very tight deadlines and yeah. straight out. It's probably a good way of keeping the budget down. Probably, yeah, definitely. Um, I think if you're a fan of not only sci-fi, but if you just are into that kind of, uh, you know, you were mentioning some of that stuff, Babylon um, five, 5, yeah. yeah. Actually, and there's that movie Red Dawn. Which Red is Dawn, yeah. Russia invading America. And a ragtag band, a band of gorillas. This yeah. is the original Patrick Swayze one. There's a remake of it. I never saw that one, so I don't know okay. if it's any good. But the original one, I would have been. When I saw it, I was ten, and it came out. I know it was. I didn't see it in the cinemas. I saw it on VHS, so it would have been a couple of years out yeah. already. Very similar concept yeah. in that is an invading force, uh, a band of of you know not military people uh, in this case high school students or something yeah yeah have to try and you know they they take it upon themselves to try and help their town or whatever yeah that's a pretty classic like underdog story anyway it is it is it's like, a, and no I, matter I, what it it really it really got me going and, and i reckon i reckon the same thing this movie here i th- i think if i was a 13 year old boy mm. like the fantasy of being the grill for as a grown uh, parent and all the rest of it, I'm looking at it thinking, oh, no, that looks a bit t- <laughs> looks a bit rough. Yeah, yeah. I would just want to be sitting in my armchair somewhere being relaxed. I've got yeah. enough of that. But as, as You would be at the camp doing the wiring of the I, radios. I'd be, I'd be at stuff. the camp doing the nice, soft, gentle stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I've, had, I've had enough um, rough and tumble in my life. But yeah. as a youngster, I, yeah. it's like the, the fantasy of being out there and like laying ambushes and, Fighting back the Well, it is, aliens. isn't it? Like, they're bringing in the Aussie military that, as you said before, they were efficient and controlled. But we need this ragtag team to come in and show us the terrain, you know? It's yeah. like it's like that's kind of the, the teenage boy fantasy in a way, isn't it? The it's reality like, you know, like, is I think the military would have said, well, no, we don't. We'll get your intelligence market on the maps yeah, and stuff. Yeah, that's right. And then we'll Because go in. the problem is that we'll shoot each other. And yeah, you guys will shoot me. You we we fight well. The yeah. army fights really well together, knows what to do yeah. so that when someone says contact three o'clock, yeah. 
all the army people know exactly what to do. That's right. Yeah. Whereas the other people go, what, what do you mean? What? Bang. <laughs> Three o'clock. <laughs> you know, what does Three that mean? Uh, Hang on. One, two, <laughs> over that way. Yeah. And while you're dead. Yeah. So, but, but it's a great big blockbuster. I've never seen probably Australian film as been such a yeah big blockbuster. And I think if you're into your science fiction, uh, action, reality kind of coming alive on the screen, this is your kind of film. But anyway, let us know what you thought about occupation and hopefully you're as excited as, uh, as us to see the sequel. Maybe we can get a special screening I, of that you know, am, from Netflix or from from the man himself uh, after man, listening to our episode. He'll invite us to the premiere. You know, we can do a special episode with I'll, him. I'll bring my pals James Cameron and, and Spielberg along to see well, I'm I'm pretty keen to see. Like we've gotten some good science fiction coming out of Australia now. We've got the uh, right. I Am Mother yep. and the Other Life and this um, that that other one we saw. <laughs> just Cargo, Cargo, and, and 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 this one here, which is again a different style to all of those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if the sequel builds on, expands, and 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 really focuses in on all the good good points we've been talking about here. We're going to see a bit of a, what do you call it, a um, a golden age for Australian science fiction. We can, and that will suit and, and us I, space I, brains to a T, won't it? And I think things like Netflix and Amazon Prime and so forth really help that because suddenly, like uh, Hamad was saying, you can get a global audience. You can, yeah. yeah. Uh, which means, you can, yeah, so uh, an Australian science fiction like that has trouble getting funded because that's not what Australians want out of Australian film. No. But the locations and the setting and so forth is actually quite interesting and exotic yes. to a lot of the rest of the world. And then once you throw in the sophistication of movie making like a film like this, you know, special effects, costume, camera, that's what the global audience wants. Oh, so it's yeah. like, this is the thing, I agree, like the Aussie audience, they're not necessarily going to fund for this and that's why it doesn't get funded. Mm. That's the old reasons, right? But then now you can sort of say, but hang on. If we do fund this at a moderate price, we're talking about a global audience on something like Netflix. And yeah, Stan you can, you can and actually get like you can actually get enough uh, interest in it. So, um, like Hamad said, that Netflix is looking for quality, not necessarily the big actors. Mm. He was saying that they're looking for quality stories, well made. Well, like when he said all that, that's what Australian films actually quite often do. They, they're really well made. They're really well acted. They're really well put together. Yeah, uh, things like costume and stuff can be well and truly out there. Locations can be interesting and exotic. That's actually what Netflix is looking for. So why not support some more science fiction films like this one? Um, so yeah, big kudos to Luke Spark. We look forward to the sequel. Let us know what you thought about the film Occupation. Let us know what you thought about what we've talked about tonight. And you can hit us up on our socials, can't you? Sorry. At Space Brains Pod on Twitter, at, and also at Gravity Undone on Twitter, you're probably going to get more response there. <laughs> at Space Brains Podcast Facebook, Space Brains Podcast Instagram, yep. GravityUndone.net or yep. MarkRegan.com. Dot au. Dot au. <laughs> you can you can get you can get a hold. Of, we're pretty easy to get a hold of. Yes. Really. Hell, yes. if you if you Google Space Brains, um, something comes up somewhere. Something comes up. Yeah. <laughs> Space Brains. Probably your Podcasting. occupation podcast, something like that. Yeah. Tune in next time for when we review the film Gantz Zero 2016. Available on Netflix. Catch you later. See ya.